0: Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here with episode 57. Today we're really looking forward to bringing you this episode about some tips on pronunciation and we will be struggling through trying to pronounce some words in a few different foreign languages. So we hope you enjoy listening to us butcher some difficult words in foreign languages with the hopes that maybe it will give you the confidence to try to speak more often in whatever foreign language you are learning break through that language barrier, and pronounce all those difficult words. Even if you uh, stumble a couple times, that's, you know, a normal part of it. But we're really looking forward to bringing this episode to you, and we hope you all enjoy it. Uh, We are definitely going to be enjoying ourselves this, uh, well, when we're recording this, uh, kind of regardless when we're recording this. Um, So yeah, so this should be fun. And without further ado, uh, I am here to introduce my co-host, the man with the plan, the dude with the solidest drops on the soundboard, my buddy Jared. Salutations.
1: Uh, and welcome. Uh I, you you really caught me off guard with that with that. You should have seen me. I was just like <laughs> 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 We're trying which to figure one? out what which to one? hit which on one? the <laughs> soundboard. <laughs> I didn't right. know, but I think I know which one I want to hit. Welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast, though. Um, you know, we here we uh, like to talk about all things. Um, we like to talk about untranslatables. You could, uh, you know, for example...
0: talk that calf out of that heifer. <laughs> oh, yes. or Slipping yes. on bait or something yes. like
1: that. <laughs> um, but first, please, we also like to... Spread a little love. And you can do that on Twitter, untranslatable1, the number one. Or Instagram, untranslatablepodcast, at... Uh, jesus christ instagram <laughs> untranslatable podcast or email us untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com or our favorite way to spread a little love is with five-star reviews uh ratings and reviews on St- stitcher and itunes do they call it itunes apple podcast i don't know what they call it but you know what we're talking about Oh, yeah. Don't
0: play don't play dumb with us. <laughs> we know if you're listening to this, you probably got some brains up there. So don't be afraid to use them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of brains, by the way, I had quite the cultured evening last night.
0: Oh, nice. Let's hear about it. I was it. almost late for it, first of all. Uh-oh. That's <laughs> t- not the way to start I took a but- nap
1: beforehand because I was exhausted. I was like, well, let me get a nap in. And I set an alarm. P- plenty of time in advance to wake up. Alarm went off. And I... Well, I think when the alarm went off in the moment, I t- not even totally forgot about the uh, the thing. Then I woke up like 30 minutes later, which was when I was supposed to leave. And I had like, and my um, navigation said I'd get there three minutes late. And um, I also had to stop for gas. Of course. Of course. Yep. Not only did I have no gas, but it was literally as I started driving, it hit the like, ding, like the red level. Low fuel. So like I okay. had to get gas. Right. <laughs> and so I had to do that. And, uh... I made up time and managed to get there exactly at, at excuse me, at uh, 7.28. It starts at
2: 7.30. Nice. Not to
0: brag. <laughs> nice. Heshki cloak. Anyway. That's, that's got to be Murphy's Law in its essence right there, though. You wake up oh, late. of course. Got to get gas.
1: I mean, that's what I I'm get sur- for taking a nap to begin with. Right.
0: I'm surprised you didn't have like a sock missing somewhere that you had to find or uh, something. Luckily,
1: I had my um, outfit planned. And we'll get to nice. my outfit in a second. But, um, so it was a concert at, um, it was a, a chamber concert Red I assume you Velvet, call it. it yeah, right? Red Velvet Hall Salon is what they call it. It's at a guy's house, and it, him and his wife. And it's co- they call it the Red Velvet Hall. There's art all over this one their living room, actually the whole place. And uh, the walls are beautifully painted. And I noticed today, because I've been going to this place for about, these concerts for about a year and a half maybe, the concert, uh, excuse me, the art on the wall changes. Uh, mm-hmm. There's stuff I was like, oh, I haven't seen that before. Anyway, so this concert was um, a guy. It, the main person was a composer named Michael Jupstorm. He's 38 from Minnesota. And he, it, it was essentially his concert. And it was, it was, he was accompanied by Luosha Fang, who was a, violin, a violinist and a violist. And Clancy Newman, who is a... It's called, they call it violoncello everywhere, but it, I just call it cello. And I, cello,
0: I mean, you can just call it cello. But everywhere yeah, I see totally it fun. in like,
1: uh, where it's written down and say programs or something like that, they tend to call it violoncello. Is that like the
0: official term? Probably.
1: Uh, so anyway, I've,
0: I've seen it both ways on music programs though. Okay. So
1: So what they, they played, uh, they started the piece with a um,
0: Bartok piece. Do you know Bartok? Oh, nice. I, I actually have a loathing hatred for Bartok because when I was studying music, uh, we had two wow. or three Bartok practice books for piano. They had a, I think two of them had a pink cover. Mm-hmm. I can like see the cover in my mind, because I, I had I, those exercises took me forever to learn, um, and I'm horrible at piano as it is. So yes, I know Bartok. am okay. not, not a fan of it because of those books, but I'm sure he's got a lot of great music out there.
1: And um, so that was a very nice piece. Uh, the, the, the group was, they were so good. And it's so it's so fun to see. I mean, this is such intimate quarters. This is someone's living room. And these are professionals. Right. It's so cool to see, like, the eye contact, to see just, like, the, um, to really see the precision up close. I love that. Um, and then um, they played a piece called Daydreams and Night Visions, which was composed by um, Michael Jupstorm. Uh, I found that one to be um, interesting. It was. Uh, go ahead.
0: Can, can I can I ask you a question? Is it is it Jupe Storm or Jupe Strum?
1: Storm. D J U P S T O R M.
0: Oh, I must have read that wrong then. Okay.
1: You can actually look them up if you uh, because you can No, see dude, a it's of it's Strom.
0: It's Jupstrum. Strum.
1: Oh, then uh, that's then that's not my fault. I'm putting that on the um the guy that uh that um. That puts on the concerts in his email. Um, I copied unless, it from there.
0: Unless he, unless he misspelled his own name on YouTube. No, I doubt it. I, I think it's The I'm other gonna, thing I wanted to mention, my fault, though, though, I blame that other no, guy that good, put the concert you're good. on. You're good. <laughs> I just want to make sure that our listeners out there, you know, know can find this guy later.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, no. Thank you. Of course.
0: But but yeah, want The give other him this thing. Proper credit too. For sure. For sure. The other thing I wanted to mention as well. Is you're absolutely right. One of my favorite things about intimate concert settings like that is watching how the musicians interact with each other using facial expressions, body language. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's such, especially with classical music, and if you're, you know, it's mostly acoustic instruments, right? So you yes. can't be like, you can't like yell like take the code up, like you can't, you can't do that. Like if you're. When I was playing live music a lot with like uh, a couple different rock bands I was in, you could mouth and even like whisper into each right. other's ears well you have to like yell in their ear but the but the audience won't hear it but right. when it's the really close intimate kind of concert you have to basically use body language and it is it's really it's kind of hypnotic to watch really good musicians who have played with each other before. Mm-hmm perform pieces together because it's like everyone's so, so in sync, it's really amazing. And to me, there is an added level to that the, it being that um
1: these were composed by this guy by Jupstrom. Mm-hmm. And so um but yes, you're very right. and and I love it too, you know, i'm I, I'm a piano player in training. So it's I love to watch and I've seen I've watched a lot of musicians there and a lot of musicians of varying um, cultures I've seen. Uh, For example, this was a uh, a, you know American pianist, a Chinese uh, violin and viola. She played one viola piece, Mm -hmm. and then the uh, Clancy, the cellist, was I believe he was also American. Actually, I know he was, but um, I've also seen um, uh, Russian pianists and like Mm -hmm. I've seen um, Chinese pianists there, and I believe a Korean one too. And just seeing the you can almost see just like the cultures and their varying styles, and uh, Mm -hmm. like I like I still think about that. about the uh, was she russian? I believe she was russian. I still think about that russian pianist sometimes because uh she was so uh like her uh her precision and her uh and her um what do you call it when it when it like her pro professional it was. Like it was so how like her fingers were so consistent. Uh okay. blew my mind. Uh, um and how effortless it seemed. And then so it was just so cool to see the different uh, but anyway. Um and then they played a um they also did a lot of talking about why they chose
0: these pieces and then the next piece which I really enjoy. I love hearing things like that. And that's at why concerts.
1: That's why he played uh the two pieces that were played that were not his were the Bartok one and then they ended um with a um how do you say his name? I need to find it. So, oh yeah, Dvorak piece. <laughs>
0: Dvorak.
1: And the reason that I was going to leave it alone. And the reason that um they uh the reason that he chose those was those were big motivations for him, and he enjoyed. Oh, nice. He said he enjoyed a lot of the uh, folk music motivations mm-hmm. and a lot of that style, and right. um, and he and they were all talking about how they think that Dvorak is an. Uh, you can of, just
0: say Dvo- you can just say Dvorak.
1: Dvorak. Speaking of difficult yep. pronunciations, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and, and they were talking about how he was kind of a. Um, he was kind of underappreciated in comparison to a lot of those big classical player, uh, you know, people like um, like Beethoven and Strauss and uh, Mozart and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and he said that he played in a lot of um, he played in in um, a a trio of pianists and. Uh, and he felt like and he always wanted to play this one Dvorak 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 piece. <laughs> Jesus. There you go, Dvorak Dvorak piece. And um, he felt like it, it, he can never really do it properly because the other players never gave it the proper um, respect that they seem to give um, some of the you know some of those bigger classical fair. staples.
0: Right. I have to say, man, I absolutely love Dvorak's music. It's absolutely fantastic, dude
1: sorry go ahead <laughs> i just No, go ahead i i've yeah. never i've never heard it, but that they played a six a six um what do you call the sections
0: what's the like a six uh, what well, what do you mean six like was it a suite?
1: The, it, it was like a six movements. Yeah, you mean yes. six movements yes yeah, a six, yeah, six movement movements. piece uh-huh and it was about forty five minutes long and and so what they did was they played the they played the um the um Bartok, they played daydreams and night visions. They played a piece called "Sed Majka Budasa Walamai. and I believe it that, that was based off of something. Uh, maybe I should Google that just before I start talking about on my talking on my ass. But um,
2: <laughs> okay.
0: And fun fact, Jared. Uh, it's, uh, 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 um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Fun fact about uh, Dvorak, he actually came, I believe he was a conductor of, I think it was the New York Symphony. So he, I know he spent time in America and one of his last pieces he wrote is highly influenced by American, different styles of American music. Okay. Okay. Which is pretty cool.
1: So the, what, the title I just read, Sejfu Machka Budase Walimai, which I'm sure I said wrong, speaking of pronunciation. Is a is that um, Czech? No, it is Bosnian, Serbian, okay. uh, uh, from like Montage- Mont- Montenegro and Serbia. Montenegro. Mm-hmm. And Serbia, yeah. And so it's based off of a traditional, um, like it's uh, is a traditional song that is believed uh, to have originated, tri- origi- originated in Sarajevo centuries ago. And so, mm-hmm. like, I believe this was his own, I, I don't really understand, like, wh- how composers do this, because he was talking about, and I wish I could, maybe I'll ask my piano teacher about this, but he was talking about how these were his pieces, but they're also, like, how his motivations are from other songs like that, and I don't still mm-hmm. understand how that works, how composers are, are writing these songs, yet they're heavily, ba- like, how he's getting this motivation from these other
0: I just can, was confused. Can I
1: tackle this question? Do you understand my struggle, though? Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: yeah, I get totally where you're coming from, but I can tell you, as someone who studied classical guitar, this happens fairly frequently. Okay. Because a lot of orchestral music, you can't obviously move over to the guitar one for one, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of uh, different composers will write. They'll, they'll maybe title the piece like a theme from Mozart's blah, 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 or... Oh, okay. And so these are... And some of them are transcriptions of pieces over onto a different instrument. Other ones are inspirations from other pieces by previous composers, or uh, Brahms did a lot of different, like, pieces that were based off of different styles of dances. Like, you have... He has a lot of great... I'm pretty sure they're called Hungarian dances. Um, like, I played at my senior recital a duet... Uh, with my former guitar teacher, um, shout out to Dan Palmer. He's an amazing guitarist. Um, and we played uh, Hungarian dance number five, I believe. Okay. And these were all based off of different f- folk dances and folk melodies. So it's kind of very similar. So I think that actually helps uh, me. That actually helps underst- me, like re- in
1: retrospect, understand a lot of the explanations he was giving for his pieces then.
0: Right. And, but ask your piano teacher and let me know the next episode because I'm curious if she has a different answer.
1: Okay. It also makes sense because the one I just read was, it, it was played on, um, I believe that was viola mm-hmm. and cello. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, Droopstrom, the guy that actually composed it, was not in on that one. He was, because he was doing all piano stuff. Right. Um, but he but um, one of the ladies in the in the audience was familiar with this piece and she said mm-hmm. that it was originally done for saxophone and cello. Oh interesting. So okay. maybe that's a, that and would she, be a and cool so combo. Said, and so I think maybe that's another reason why he wanted to compose it and so he can, mm-hmm. you know, is it you know composing it for viola. Right. Um, like one
0: thing I learned while I was in where was I? When I was in Prague with my parents a few weeks ago, we visited the palace in Prague. And they have original scores of music by Mozart, by Beethoven, and by Haydn. And uh, Mozart rewrote, um, I believe it was Handel's Messiah, to make it sound more classical sounding. Hmm. You so know, it's kind of also kind of similar. Yeah,
1: I guess as it it, it was confusing to me because I always thought you spent all this time becoming a composer. Like I feel like now is your time to make something brand new and and i'm sure he does that as well i'm sure I, mm-hmm. actually i know he's done that right but, we um, both do but i guess that's i guess you do both you like like because obviously just about every especially composer has heavy influences and heavy people that really right they focused on when they're in school or when they were younger or what the, who they really enjoyed and so maybe there's an maybe there's a there's two different sides to enjoying the composing. we making your own mm-hmm. stuff completely from scratch or taking stuff that you've loved and somehow adapting it or, or, or inspired by.
0: Can I, can I make like a, a, Please. a comparison for you? Um, I think of it kind of like when you have a really famous musician who already has a lot of their own great music, yet when they play a concert, they still do a cover song. I think it's kind of the same thing. You know, I think people like to um, share what inspires them, what they enjoy. And sometimes there's nothing better than, you know, taking something. For me, it would be like taking a Jimi Hendrix song and maybe trying to make my own version of it as a guitarist. You know, for me, that's like one of the coolest things I can think of in terms of guitar. Or taking like a, a classical guitar piece by one of my favorite composers uh, Francisco Tárrega, and doing that. Um, so I, I, totally see where the composers are coming from, but I also know what you mean when you say uh, the whole point of composing is also to make new music. Um, but sometimes it's nice to revamp some of the old stuff too. Yeah, you know, like a, it's kind of like the classical music version <laughs> of a remix.
1: <laughs> a little bit. Uh, just, just a, oh, whoa,
0: holy shit! Sorry, what? I'm just
1: looking at my soundboard. They, sorry, my, um, I lost my ham horn. Uh oh. They, they updated it and now Uh my ham horn's gone. Oh, that's a shame. All right. Well, I'll take care of that later.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, no ham horn, no podcast episode, amigo. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, anyway. Um, so, um, yeah. So, oh, so then we were talking about, uh, now I, I got to come back to Dvor Dvorak, you're getting there. Dvorak,
2: uh-huh. and there you that go. was Perfect. and
1: so after they played those um, those first two pieces that I that I or excuse me the first three the uh, Bartok and the two of his pieces that was about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and then uh, they took about a, a fifteen minute break, and then they came back and they did this forty five minute Dvorak uh, Jvor, piece, and I was. I was like uh, in a trance listening to this. It was amazing, oh, nice. and That's I wish awesome. I remember what it was because on the, they didn't. You don't have, have a program. They didn't have a program. This is the first one I've been to where they didn't have a program. And then I went to his website, and he has all of his his events, and he had this event listed, but he named his pieces, and then he said an assortment of pieces from Bartok and George.
0: That's normal. That's normal. And you so, gotta email one of those guys and be like, "Yo, I kind of want to." They live Dvorak? in Philadelphia.
1: He lives in Philadelphia. The composer. I considered asking him. I considered uh, asking him to come on the pod.
0: Oh, that would be I dope. might do that.
1: I shouldn't have brought this up on the you,
0: podcast. I forgot we we're recording this. Oh, that'd be so.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good mean sign. I not bring this up on the podcast. That's a good sign. I, <laughs> you, could, you could always add that out later. But,
0: I'm not going to edit that. But that's that's awesome. I mean, I would also be curious which uh, Dvorak piece he, he picked to play because I'd cellist, love to hear it too.
1: The cellist is the one that introduced this. And he was um, he he said this was one of his favorite all time favorite pieces, and he said it, he thinks it's also one of Dvorak, Dvorak's all time best because yep it was the most unique, and 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 it was and it was the most um, representative of, of the kind of folk Ukrainian roots, and not mm-hmm. um, was it Ukrainian? Did I say was that wrong? Not said Ukrainian. Ukrainian. Yeah, but check. is that wrong? It might He's be. He's Czech. Okay, I think it's okay. Whatever, but um, but it doesn't mean he
0: couldn't have used. You know, Ukrainian or Hungarian or whatever.
1: And he said that it was um, like, even though he had a lot of great classical pieces, he liked that this was maybe one of his most unique and most personal pieces, I think is what he said. I'm trying to remember what he said. nice.
0: I can tell you, after having a bunch of cellists as friends and a couple of my former students as well, um, Dvorak is, I think, it's safe to say, fairly... Uh, fairly loved and highly accepted oh. with most cellists. I mean, not a only, lot of amazing cello music.
1: Well, not only when he was explaining it, could you see that like, he, that he really loved this guy, but when he was playing, like you could see it in his playing, that like, oh, this guy. Oh, like, that's my favorite. You could just tell that's that like, favorite. oh, this guy's giving it. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he had the head going. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, that's awesome. <laughs> I was like, this guy definitely is, and like, you could, I just love that. It's like, yeah, I, I wanna see someone playing something that they're this passionate about, because then you know you're gonna get a good performance. They're not gonna half-ass. Something they're oh, in love ab- with.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, um, I agree.
1: And so it was a great show, and it, you know, it was about two hours, and and then I uh, went home, and it was great. But um, as I was leaving, and actually, as I got there, a couple times during that uh, that show, I, I was complimented, and um, one of the times was by a guy. And as we were walking, as I was walking out, he said, "Oh, I, lo- I love that uh, blazer. I got, I have one just like it. I got it in Vienna." What?
0: Oh wow. Guess what I was wearing? <laughs> what what were you? Guess wearing? what I was wearing? Oh, was it did I get was it one yeah. of the, my old You bought yeah, you oh, got nice. me that you got
1: me that old uh Viennese blazer. And I That's was like right. and I was like, Oh it's funny that you say that. That's exactly where this one came from. <laughs> Did you take a picture of you in the blazer? I did not. My piano teacher complimented on me, like, complimented me on it, like, dude, every time I've worn that thing, and I don't wear it often. It's straight fire, dude. I love that. that, Oh, man. I don't wear it often. I almost brought one with me here. I don't wear it often, but I'm going to wear it more because every time I wear it, I get compliments on it, like, multiple compliments
0: on it. You should wear it to work one day and see what people say. I really should.
1: And it's it's great. I love it. I love it. But yeah.
0: You do realize after this, now you need to take a picture in that blazer.
1: Yeah, but I don't even have a like, floor-to-ceiling like, mirror in my place. N-
0: not, uh, not right now. Just okay. at some point. I don't know. Sneak into a bathroom somewhere. Hey, uh, I hate to do this, but I need to take off my sweater. I am like sweating in my little Go Harry for it. Potter Go costume. Go for it. Well, while you're, while, you're, while you're taking your sweater off, I'll fill, I'll fill in the listeners with what's been going on. Um, I was also lucky to uh, have an a interesting cultural weekend this weekend. Uh, I had a choir concert today. Oh, so yeah. you're not the only one getting your your music and your culture on this weekend. Uh, we had a concert with the choir I sing with, and we, excuse me, we sang a couple pieces in Italian, a couple pieces in Latin, excuse me, and a couple pieces in Czech. And one of the Czech pieces was also by Dvorak. Oh, nice! Which was pretty good. Which one was um, it? Do you remember? I mean, of oh, course, no. I'd have I'd have to I'd have to pull out my choir book, okay, um, with all my sheet music. But it was funny though because all the Czech folk songs I had never sang before. So we had a rehearsal today at three. Mm-hmm. I went to rehearsal, sang these songs once. Then we had a little break before the concert. The concert started at what time did the concert start at? At five. Okay. Yeah, concert started at five. We sang for about forty minutes, and that was it. Um, but Also, in between the songs, we have easily over, we have about 80 or 90 pieces in our books um, of like different repertoire, right? And I didn't have enough time to flip through the pieces. So (laughs) thankfully, our choir director, the one who conducts the choir, she'll sing the words. So I was basically just copying whatever sounds I thought she was making. You are
1: disrespecting these people's choir.
0: (laughs) Thankfully, I'm a bass. So I was in the very back and nobody could see me. Well, and most of the songs, the, the Italian songs and the Latin songs, I all have memorized. I do find it interesting that you're okay. I I, I just find it so interesting that you're in this choir in general. I, I it's I, a great way to learn Czech, <laughs> and and I go with my mentor, and she's an amazing woman. Um, right. So it's a I won't good I won't say guys she's guys like a uh, mom to me, but she's like an aunt. I would say. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> but she it, was, it was it was good. Mom status. That's cool. I mean, she's, she's an amazing woman, but I I would feel weird, I guess, calling her like like my mom. Talk I that calf out of that heifer. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was it was really great, um, and I got to talk to some uh, of my colleagues after the concert, and they asked me how it was to sing in Czech, and I told them, very difficult, but I think it has helped my pronunciation, which we'll get to later this episode as well. Okay. But a uh, little, little teaser for all of our <laughs> listeners out there. Um but yeah, so I have to ask you, Jared, though, let's go back to this Velvet, uh, I always keep wanting to say Velvet Cake concert series, <laughs> but I know there was no Velvet, Velvet Cake there. Cake. What? Um, what? So what was your favorite piece?
1: Uh, Dvorak, for sure. Dude, okay. I was enthralled. I, it, it's rare, and you know, I'm not a big, I enjoy going to these concerts and I enjoy culturing myself, and this is a great venue to do it where it's in someone's house, it's not like, and, it, and, you know, it's $30, but it's not, like it's a lot better to me than like going to, you know, say some concert hall or something like that. Right. And um, plus, I'm assuming a lot of that goes straight to the musicians, doesn't it? Probably. I mean, probably. Yeah, because, I, well, yeah, these people are for sure in the sense that they definitely get paid because he just hires these people. And I think, I think right. this guy might actually be... Um, the composer Jupstrom, might also, might actually be my uh, the guy that owns the house. He's a pianist. It might be his composing teacher.
0: I think. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think. Nice.
1: Um, I keep I can't get out of my the back of my head that I said that. So you know I actually got to email this guy. <laughs> right. Because I was gonna do it before we started recording, but I got nervous. I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do it. And I was like, well, now I gotta do it. Um, right. Um. So yeah. Uh. That was probably my favorite. Some of his um. I'm not a. I struggle to enjoy the duets with just v- v- violin and cello, or okay. viola and cello. Like it and seems why to be missing. That? It just seems to be missing something. It it okay. seems to lack any like sort of at least the pieces I was
0: hearing lacks any sort of like rhythm to it. Does that does that make any sense? Okay, I mean, sure. It depends on the piece, but sure. Or maybe does it just seem like there's not? It's just not full enough. It's not thick right. enough or deep enough.
1: And yeah, yes, it doesn't seem like it's not. There's. It seems. It definitely seems like it's missing something, and it also seems like maybe just because it's. It, it also seems like, it, and maybe this is just the pieces I heard, and maybe this is also slightly going to be uh, a, a, a criticism on this guy's on this guy's pieces. But some of them felt like they just like it, it lacked. Like I, I couldn't tell if they were going somewhere. You know. Right. And so, and so it, it more just kind of sound like if it doesn't seem like it's going somewhere, it almost just starts sounding like noise
0: to me. That's fair. And That's I, fair. I think the other thing is too. It's amazing how much um, depth and also rhythm a piano can add.
1: Yes, and and, and it's, especially since there's so much range on the on the piano. Right. Um, right. And it can do so, and it can f- and it can fill in so many different roles from melodies to a bass line to like a solid right. bass line. And so right. it, I
0: I think it, it it definitely... Yeah, I think you're right. It just it adds so much. I think the other thing is, too, is that when you start adding instruments, I think our automatic expectation is to have a thicker, fuller sound, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have something like cello and viola or cello and violin, although that's also a wide range, I think we our ears or our minds kind of expects a bit more from it, right? Um, which, on the other hand, if I listen to just purely like cello music or classical guitar music or piano, mm-hmm. if it's an instrument by itself, I don't think we have the same sonic expectations as we would with hearing duets or uh, you know a, a trio or a quartet. Right. Um, I, I wondered if yeah. some
1: of it had to do with the fact that his pieces were, you know, uh, quote unquote, contemporary cla- classical music. So maybe, right. I thought maybe it's like, well, maybe this is just like a classical, a style of classical music that
0: I'm not used to. Right. Or something we'll i, get I, know. I don't know. We'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. We can talk about it. Okay. Um, but, but I, yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm glad it was you had a, jo- a good time. And yeah, I'm glad too. you got exposed to Dvorak. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of my favorites. And I think here in the Czech Republic, he is um, really highly celebrated, and a lot of Czechs uh, definitely love his music. Yeah, I there's was... actually a really cool um, theater um, called the uh, Dvorak uh, Divadlo, uh, Dvorak Theater. So, okay. So yeah, so when you come visit, we'll have to nerd out on some more Dvorak. That's right. for sure. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Well, buddy, I think it's time to um, spread a little love. That's right, that's right. So how about you get us started today, Jared? All right. Well, I I
1: have a uh, a harrowing tale of redemption. Uh, by a guy named um. Oh geez. Oh geez. My scrolly thing's not working. Uh <laughs> oh. The thing. No, it, it's it's just <laughs> I was trying. I have like two my mouses. That's really what it was. Uh. So a guy named Maurice Rucker. Uh. Was uh. This is a story. So let me get. Give me a second to take yep, you take, take your time. <laughs> take us down that road, Jared. So Maurice Rucker, he used to uh, uh, work at. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find the exact year. For now, it doesn't matter. If I find it, I'll let you know. Uh, this years ago, he worked at a Home Depot for 10 years, and um, he had a run in with a uh, with an employee that um,
0: customer. Excuse right? me, thank you.
1: A customer who was in, uh, his, in Rucker's line at the in the garden center. And um, but, uh, so the I, I don't know how it started, but the employee was uh, started insulting Rucker, calling him slow and said that he owed his job to uh, Donald Trump uh, and hit him with an additional string of ugly insults. You're from the ghetto, uh, was one of those insults that the guy said. Uh, Rucker, who is black, uh, if you need it, if you <laughs> couldn't have guessed already. Eventually left his booth, got in the man's face and told him to leave the store. And then five days later, after that, Rucker was fired. So I, I can only imagine that the dude that that the dude you know probably uh, complained to Home Depot, say you got this uh, this employee who insult who treated me who was very rude to me, and probably left all that uh, beginning of that other stuff. Right. <laughs> um, and so um, he was just fired out of the blue. And um, a spokesperson at the corporate for uh, Home De- Depot said the company was appalled by the customer's behavior but defended the firing because R- Rutgers violated a uh, protocol. Violated mm-hmm. protocol. We have a zero tolerance. Right. Um, and so Rucker, who had worked there uh, for 10 years, was uh, let go. And, um, and he got let go essentially for defending himself. And, and 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 defending himself in the simplest of ways, just by asking a rude employee to uh, leave the rude store. Rude customer. Why do I keep doing that? I don't know. A rude customer to leave the store, and I you know I don't know how loud or whatever he said it, but still, it's like yeah. I mean right. I, don't, I mean I. Anyway, so uh, people were people. Obviously, are you know not in this age. Everyone hears about everything. And mm-hmm. so uh people heard about this, and they were standing up for him on the internet and they were people were appalled at Home Depot and um, and uh, so Home Depot, after all the backlash uh said like, oh no no, no no, we hey Rucker, we'll uh, we'll give you a, your job back and but Rucker said uh, said no, which good for him for having some uh yeah. Some, some, uh, you know, self respect and and pride. It's like, oh, and a it's backbone. Like, yeah. It's like, just because now that you guys are embarrassed, it's like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. And so, um, Rucker is also a visual artist and a uh, lead singer for a country rock soul uh, band called Maz. We should have made him the song of the pod. Right. Uh, and it was widely known before a column ran. And so, uh, blah, 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 blah. He got a, a long story short, he got a, uh, he's 61 and he got a call from, um, Jesus Christ, this story is so long. Um, he got a call from uh, someone at the Albany County uh, Executive's Office named Dana McCoy, who offered him a position in the uh, probation department, and uh, that's the job that Rucker ultimately took. So um, shout out to um, Rucker. Mm-hmm. For, um, one, having uh, the backbone to, to to stand his ground on his on what he believes in. Then also shout out to, um, sorry, I don't have my ham horn once again. It's been taken away from me. <laughs> <It's> been... <laughs> there we go. That's perfect. <laughs> <And> the... <laughs> what happens if I click this one? Holiday party. No, that's party. stupid. Party. Oh, um... What is that? <laughs> 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 um that's usually where my uh or this one this is time for the christmas beats yeah see they put like christmas ones in that's the dumb thing it's like why would you do this christmas like first of all anyway christmas is over i know but now i I have to like go find anyway so uh, yours was more than good enough and uh and so shout out to the um for the um for the other guy um daniel mccoy for offering him that position that's cool absolutely
0: yeah, and I think uh, it is better than what he had before. So, right, and I think the other thing is too. Um, I just I love this story because big ups um, for uh, it was R- Rutgers, right, Maurice Rutgers. Like, yeah, Rutgers. Thank you for Rucker, standing up for himself. Rucker. Or no Rucker, S. Sorry uh, for standing up for himself and and eventually getting a job that I hope he deserves. You know, um, yeah. There's, in my opinion, you know. It's 2019, people. We don't we don't have time or energy for any of this hatred and racism anymore. And I also don't think a lot of people realize
1: um, how often, like, people of any race just let uh, any, usually non-white race, just let racism go. Just like how, how often racism, like, like you have to decide, is this is this. Little, is it worth it is like this this that was racist but it's a small bit of racism is it worth it for me to bring that up or do i just um or do i just let it go and I, I and that's what i think a lot of people don't understand when they hear racism they think someone just being yelled the n-word to their face or something like that right and it's like no there's a lot of like smaller stuff where people just have to decide is this worth me mentioning or am i just going to have to right. let this person go and they're never even going to realize what they did was racist
0: and right. that's how that's how racism continues. Honestly, man, I think it might be helpful for, for a lot of people if we did like a Racism 101 episode.
1: <laughs> oh, man, that would be s- a, such a long episode. We'd have- <laughs> it, w- it would be. It's all right. We can do a
0: couple episodes about it. But I think it's important because I think there's a lot of white people out there that truly want to be an ally. I would I would say I'm definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to know... You know, you can you can do things with the best intentions and still it comes off racist. Right. Well, and you know? I think that's that's also
1: the, a, a thing that
0: is is racist <laughs> to
1: white people is such a like offensive word that like that's
0: probably the only way you can offend it, a white it's, person.
1: It's hard to hear. Uh, it's hard. I, I at least from what I've experienced, it's hard for a white person to hear. Some, someone told them that was racist without mm-hmm. them also hearing someone being like, hey, you're a racist. And I right. think there's a difference between, that, between saying that was racist and you're a racist. And I think that oh, for sure. pa- for part sure. of it is, is being able to accept someone telling you that that was racist. and Just be like, oh, OK, mm-hmm. and then move on and take it right. and be like, oh, OK, now right. I know. And I think that that in itself is a hard thing to breach because as soon as you hear that was racist, I think a lot of white people hear you're a racist. And just and right. it's just like it's just this all or nothing switch, mm-hmm. where it's and, and um and it's, that's not how it works. Right. What the hell and were we talking about? Oh yeah, that's wh- right, Maurice Rucker. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were still Ex- talking exactly. about the Red Velvet Hall concert.
0: I was like, how no, did this start <laughs> no, <by?" laughs> no, no, not at all. Or at least yeah, I was. I, I, was I, I was. I was like a different. I uh, think that
1: would be useful because I, I hear that a lot. T- I like it, that annoys me as a podcast listener a lot. Like especially when I hear people talk about like white privilege too because as soon as that's another thing that i think is greatly misunderstood because as soon as someone hears Mm -hmm. white privilege they think oh i wasn't grown rich i had to struggle my parents were abusive to me it's like it doesn't mean that you like you got pulled over then the cop's like oh sorry you're white please (laughs) like that's not what that means and it's a lot of people don't understand that i almost kind of find it insulting it's like you actually think that's what people are saying they're like you just like we just assume that everyone had the world handed to them because they're white or something it's like that's ridiculous right Uh, yeah i agree see this is why that this is gonna this is why i'm scared to do that episode because he just mentioned it and we we (laughs) we got we gotta do
0: it now though i think it would be a great one to do Uh, Um, okay but yeah all right well i have a shout out i would like to give do you happen to know who lauren underwood is jared singer nope Sounds not like a Car- not, K- not Carrie Underwood. Oh, okay. Carrie <laughs> Underwood's a singer. <laughs> oh. Lauren Underwood is the youngest black woman to serve in Congress. Oh, she's a that. 32-year-old registered nurse and is one of three Democrats from Illinois who was sworn into the House on Thursday. So a big shout out to you. That is awesome. Lauren Underwood. <laughs> yes, I got thank your you. back, Jared, <laughs> don't you worry. Thank you very much. And I would also like to give a shout out to all of the women Um, that have been sworn in to the House. Uh, This is actually, I believe, the highest number of women Mm -hmm. we have had in the U.S. government. And a lot of women um, come from different minority backgrounds, which I think is also amazing. We need better representation in our politics. I am sick of all these old-ass rich white dudes running the country to the ground. We need some young, fresh faces that represent all of the different and beautiful people of the United States. So, also, big shout out to all of you. Spread a little love. That's right. We really hope you can do things and change things for the better. So, thanks again. For sure. For sure. And speaking of having all these uh,
1: young, diverse people in, uh, in our House and Congress um, and Senate... Um, Senator, I mean, this is not one of them, but this is a good thing that's happening. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those rich white dudes you're talking about, but this is still a good thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, governor uh, Jay Inslee, who is a uh, uh, who is the governor of Washington, uh, will pardon anyone who has um, who has an otherwise clean criminal record, record but uh, has a sole conviction as an adult uh, for Mr. Beaner possession of marijuana. And so anyone between who, who has been convicted of a misdemeanor possession of marijuana between 1988, excuse me, January 1st, 1998, then December 5th, 2012, uh, will have that removed from your record completely, so that will have never existed. And this needs to start happening. I mean, it's great that, um, that marijuana is being legalized in states and, and people aren't going to to prison for minute for minuscule amounts of weed that they have. Uh, and, and it's like the only reason like and this re, like it's ridiculous that that the government can just make people criminals like that. Right. Um, but then, it, you know, and so it's great that that's being legal. But then it's, cr- it's it's hard for me to then look at all these other states that are legalizing it then simultaneously have people in jail for that crime that's now no longer a crime. And it's like, right. okay, well, then now that that's legal, let all those people go that mm-hmm. you're now admitting mm-hmm. are in jail for nothing, right? And um, and so I love that, and I think that's going to be happening more. It should, and so I'm glad that oh, it's 100%. happening in Washington. Shout out to uh, to Governor Jay Inslee. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Jared. Well, I have two shout-outs. I got a two-for-one special to end our shout-outs this episode. I have two shout-outs for Germany. Uh, And there are uh, two interesting things that I have found out about Germany. Uh, Germany has unveiled a five-point plan to reduce plastic waste. So they are hoping to get, I believe, up to 63% recycled. I think right now it's somewhere around the uh, 30% um, of all their things. That's still great. I wonder how much we recycle in America. Oh, it'd be be bad. I'm sure it's bad. But anyways... (laughs) Um, I think that's great that they're trying to up the, uh, the reduction of plastic waste and other types of waste. For sure. Um, you know, I think, I think people in our generation and younger are starting to understand that if we don't make some serious changes, our children or maybe grandchildren might not have a world to live in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a really scary thought. And we could do something about it if people cared more.
1: Yeah. Um I mean it's it's very it's very easy to it's 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 almost the same reason why people don't go to the doctor more often. It's it's like, "Well, I'm fine now." And it's like, "Yeah, right. but you don't realize that there's a tumor growing in you." Exactly. You just like you're fine now, but like it's soon it's it's like whatever or, or that you've been eating Pop-Tarts every day for the past <laughs> 15 years, that's going to catch up to you eventually. And it might you might be right. fine now because you're 25 and in the prime of your life, but like if you keep going on that way, it'll catch up to you. And that's the same thing with the earth. It's like, yeah, it's fine, but yeah, like we can't like we can't see th- like how rapidly it's it's like it's almost like watching someone age faster. It's like, oh, this person's only 30, you look 62.
0: Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the other shout out I have for Germany is, and this will not make our current president very happy. But renewables have overtaken coal as Germany's main energy source. Well, good, because we're bringing coal back here in America.
1: <laughs> More for <laughs> us. <laughs>
0: oh, God. <laughs> I think, honestly, though, I think if Germany can do it, why can't the United States? Obviously, the country's a lot bigger. But I also think... now nah, that doesn't if matter. Had, You're right, but that doesn't matter. What?
1: That th- that the country is a lot bigger. It's 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 all about willingness to me at, right. least. at least. Oh, I
0: agree. It's about willingness and it's about money. Yeah, but I think if you look at the sustainability and if you look into the future, uh, I I I would assume that renewable energy is going to provide a lot more in terms of jobs in the future than mm-hmm. if we continue using the older methods. But I'm no expert on that, so I'm not going to say anymore. All I want to say is shout out to Germany. <laughs> For being nice and green and keeping oh, yeah. up the good work. For sure, for sure. Hut up for Deutschland. Hats off to Germany. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I've never heard what? that before. I mean, it makes sense, but I've just never heard it before. Uh, and now to celebrate all this wonderful. Um, Spread a little love. That's been going on here. I got a Beer of the Pod review.
0: I'm excited.
1: Keeping it local, but at least off of my street this time. <laughs> that's good. This one is, I love this can, by the way. It's a very cool-looking can. Up and Out? Yep. It's by 2SP. Hazy IPA. It's a Hazy IPA by 2SP called Up and Out. And uh, it comes in this great-looking orange can. And um, it's a 6% beer. And it's it's from a city called, let me check, let me check, let me check. Aston, Pennsylvania,
0: which is about 30 minutes away from Philadelphia. Okay. And I'm just I'm just curious, this isn't related to the beer at all, but how mm-hmm. far are you from Scranton? I don't know. I don't know. I could tell you right now. That's a that's a question because as as you know, Jared, I don't know if our listeners know, but I am a huge office fan.
1: I am two hours um
0: south of Scranton. Okay. And, how far, and you're 30 minutes away from, what was it, Ashton? Ashton, without the Aston. Uh, H. Yep.
1: Yep. And so this is according to uh, 2SP, which I cannot figure out. I tried my darndest to figure out what 2SP stood for, but I could not find uh-huh. it. Regardless, they claim that this is a very juicy IPA. Juicy. Right. It's got a big aroma, moderately bitter, and is earthy with notes of stone
0: fruit, berry, and citrus. I didn't even know what stone fruit is, but caught it caught my attention nonetheless.
1: Is, stone fruit is different than that star fruit, I believe, isn't it?
0: I would think so. Stone fruit,
1: so, what? I've, I, I've t- I typed in stone fruit. Stone fruit is a fruit with flesh or pulp enclosing a stone. Oh, like a plum or peach plum or cherry. You know what a stone fruit is? Oh, okay. That's just a fancy okay. word for oh, huh. I never knew Learning that either. Learning something new. All right, <laughs> that was exciting. Um, so yeah, that's what it is. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I don't really have a good glass for this, but it'll. I at least want to see some of the color. So I'm gonna pour it in this glass.
0: Okay. I want to see some of that color as well. I don't know if it's like beer snobbish to say, but I feel like the. uh I feel like the color of a beer, to me, definitely gives it something, an, an extra dimension to just the taste. I don't think that's a snobbish thing to say. No? All right. I think,
1: any, I mean, anyone that enjoys any sort of beverage All would right. probably say that.
0: Would you say that's hazy, Jared? I'd say Is that's it? hazy. Yeah, for sure. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. All right. I'm going to give it a sip. Sorry. I'm just, like, uh, amazed by it.
0: Ooh, citrusy you blast! That, you got that IPA haze all in your brain. It is juicy, that's for sure. Okay,
1: so it's very fruity. I you can said taste- citrusy? I said taste. I uh, it is citrusy, <laughs> but I can specifically taste that stone fruit. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they say it's, they, they said stone fruit because I couldn't tell you if it's a peach or a plum I'm tasting.
2: Oh, but, interesting. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> or nectarine. What about but, a cherry? Uh, Nah, it's not really cherry. I mean, that's, oh, that cherry okay. tastes pretty different than any of those uh, other ones. Right. I mean, right. peaches and plums and nectarines are at least in the same sort of family to me of taste. Right. But a cherry is something totally different as far as taste goes. But, oh, uh, i agree. It is like a blast of fruit. Like, they're not even kidding when they say ju- juicy. Okay. So maybe they need Oof. a different name than Hazy IPA. It's similar, actually, to me to the um, – do you remember – you know, this whole Beer of the Powder View thing started many moons ago with uh, the Tonewood series. Yep. This kind of reminds me of the, um, was the it Improv. Was the Improv? Yes. Good Ooh, memory. all
0: right. All right. The Kluck.
1: Yes. It kind of reminds me of the Improv. And it, 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 it's, it, it has that blast. And this okay. is actually way less alcohol. Or not way less. But the Improv was 8%. This is 6%. But it still has a very similar taste to me. Okay. And um, except, the improv did not have that stone fruit.
2: Mm.
0: So, do you think the stone I, fruit is an added plus, or you could live without it? This the stone fruit makes me want to drink this
1: in uh, uh, outside in the in the less alcohol. The, the mix of stone fruit and less alcohol makes this better suited for a summertime beer. Than okay. the improv, the the improv, which was delicious, I loved it, but it was a little too strong, and this this juiciness, uh, this this is definitely a juicier, which is now a term I, I guess I'm going to mm-hmm. use to describe beers. This is a juicier beer. I than like it. The improv. So I think that this, I'm not going to say it's better because I think I would prefer the improv just for uh, if I were trying to have oh. Sorry, I kicked I knocked my table. If I was trying to find a beer for 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 myself, I'd probably choose the improv, but if I were specifically like go like oh I'm going over to my friend's house to hang out on the beach or their backyard mm-hmm. in the sun on the po- po- patch, on the portio, uh, po- <laughs> <laughs> Porch patio. Not patch portio. <laughs> How uh, juicy is that beer, Jared? It seems like <laughs> it's
0: Maybe a little uh, too juicy. What, what would you give it on the uh, juicy scale?
1: I'd give it a... Uh, <laughs> the juicy scale. Um, I don't know.
0: 10 out, ten out of 10? No, I'd give it 8. I'd give it an 8. eight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So would Juicy J approve of this? Oh, yeah. Juicy okay. J
1: would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. I'd say so, for sure. All right. But it's too cheap for him. Isn't he the one that does the, those like rich, that like, rich shit show? probably i don't know okay
0: (laughs) i have no idea that's a good question but yeah
1: but overall you're a fan yeah i like it i like it nice and i like the can a lot too i I like the simplicity and the orange the orange is very it's the orange is very fitting for 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 the sort of flavor it delivers so you'd say thumbs up for this beer then jared thumbs up for this beer (laughs) hell yeah yeah, I don't know how I feel nice. about you doing my uh, my job, but I also appreciate <laughs> that you do have
0: the ham horn when I did that Team come Teamwork makes a dream work, you know? Ugh, yeah. Well, Jared, do you... Uh, uh, you know, it was just beer o'clock, but I think it might be time... Ooh. Oh, perfect timing.
1: It is. That's, perfect that's time. the For those of you that don't know, what you're listening to now is the untranslatable owl. No, we did not take this from somewhere. I did not find this online. Chad took his microphone and stuck it up to a clock in his a home. A German cuckoo clock. A German cuckoo clock, and that is a legitimate untranslatable owl right there. And I'm proud of you. I, I feel like I could, like, this was early on in the podcast. This is maybe, like, the second episode. I feel like yep. I could never get you to do this now. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs>
1: Probably
0: not. <laughs> Probably not. But, but see, yeah. here's the funny thing about the untranslatable. Here's a little insight for all of our listeners. I, um... I had forgotten about it, and then as it went off, I was like, oh, shit, I need to record oh, this for Jared. And so I, I had to wait another hour, <laughs> and, and well, I, I told like, set you, an alarm. Right, I told you I that set you an could alarm, change though, it, too. change the clock. Right. And, and no, but, I, it. but it's a really old one, and, uh, and like, the way uh, you have to change it, they're like these metal chains, and I just... I, said, I, wasn't I even said reminders it. like 10 minutes before I knew it was going to go off.
1: Because that's how we even came. Because when you were recording at home, it kept interrupting our podcast. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so I was like, this is the untranslatable owl. Um, and so anyway. Good times. I don't even think it's now Good but, times. Um,
0: Probably not, but it is now. So that's all that matters. So
1: uh, can I go first?
0: Absolutely. Go first. My it. first
1: one's Thai. And it is Kratan Thang Pra Rang.
0: Which means? And it means... Spittoon in a royal hall. So is this like a rags to riches person or somebody who just doesn't belong? Neither. Neither. Okay. Give me, give me one of your world-class examples. Mm. So. Because uh, <laughs> um. it sounds like spittoon in a royal hall would be like something that doesn't fit or something that sticks out like a sore thumb. I was
1: uh I was excited for my new job, you know. I, I was told that I was gonna have all these great opportunities. But uh, turns out I get there and everyone just tells me what to do and orders me around. I'm just the spittoon in a royal hall. Uh oh, okay. I mean I kinda told you what the definition is in there. That was a terrible example because right. I gave right. you the answer. But yeah, so, it's someone it's like who's a- just
0: like a pushover, kind of.
1: Yeah, essentially. It's just someone who's constantly ordered around to do stuff for other people. Okay. So, okay. yeah, it could be a pushover as well. And so, I, right. yeah, it's just like at the Royal Hall, it's just a person that you spit on or get to do do, right. do all your the bidding. Court
0: jester or whoever.
1: I think the jester might be higher than this, th- than this person. Could be. That's the true. The jester entertains. This person just right. goes and gets stuff.
0: Right. Okay. So I have, as you, f- somehow there's, check, st- I can check, still find check, them. Check. I got some check ones. And uh, both of these are uh, idioms that are related to the word ear. So here we go: ma za ujima, which means um, sorry, Ushima, which means he has behind the ears. What Does do you that think mean this like means, he's Hiding something? Nope.
1: Got a secret? Or okay.
0: Nope. No secrets. It was super wise. Very wiz Like, wow! How did you get that? Uh, You
1: know, I got, I have things behind the ears. That's, uh, I guess so.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Maza Ushima is um, when someone's very clever and cunning, or I would say also wise. And what's funny is so they say he has behind the ears. Um, I'm assuming you could also say she has behind the ears. Ladies can definitely be clever and cunning as well. Um, What's funny though is, you know, we, Czechs don't even know like what it is you are supposed to have behind your ears to make you extremely smart is not clear though. Um, Our forefathers may have meant the brain, but it's not really clear where the idiom comes from.
1: I'll say this. I can barely even pay attention to what you're saying right now because perfectly in frame over your um, left, right, your left shoulder is clever branded cereal. Mm. <laughs> and so when you're talking about being clever or cunning, all I see is just "clever" written. I don't even see the serial. I don't even see the serial bo- nice. box. Literally, when you're all, I, all I saw was "clever," <laughs> and you're just that's talking hilarious. about being clever, and that it's just hilarious. right there. And that's all I could see. It was it was almost distracting how that's all I could see. I was like, wow. Speaking of, this is is perfectly placed. Uh, my next one is another Yoruba one. There was I, that, because uh, there was just a long list of them that I found a couple weeks ago. So maybe I'll sprinkle some of those in from time to time. And this one is. This, oh, jeez. Which means? I'm, I'm sorry to all of my Yoruba speakers. I'm so sorry. Please email the uh, email untrustable podcast uh, at gmail.com and tell me how to actually say that. Uh, so it actually means a sculpture is summoned and the woodpecker shows up. Say that one more time. A sculptor is summoned
0: and the woodpecker shows up. Is that like when you ask somebody to do something and then like someone who's kind of a know-it-all will come in and try no oh yeah sorry yeah all yes, right yes that's exactly it keep going all right and so ah. so yeah so so it would be like if if like jared came to me with like wanted to ask me a question about music mm-hmm. and then like maybe one of our friends who's like a big music nerd like and kind Corrected of know-it-all yeah. would come up and yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay
2: all yeah, right, it, i'm gonna give myself a little no, that's perfect
1: the uh the, the meaning that the on the website said uh, never think too highly of yourself. So okay. that's, that's you're All right. on the right. I like I'm sorry that. for All I'm right. sorry
0: for throwing you off and shaking my head. I I, I I thought you were going somewhere else with it at first. You're good. You're good. All right, Jared, as I mentioned, my second one also has to do with ears, and it is Zapish sitoza Toza Uji. Uh Sorry, I keep mispronouncing that. Zapish Sitoza ushi. Uh, or write it behind your ears. What do you think that could mean, Jared? Keep, keep it to yourself to nope. keep a secret. Okay. Nope. Um, See, Jared, this is something you would definitely tell me.
1: Oh, <laughs> to uh, like to make sure you don't forget to do something.
2: <laughs> that's right
1: write it behind your ears means don't forget it remember it well I want all the listeners to uh, take note of how quickly
0: I understood that uh. right so Jared all you have to say is zapish si to za uji okay i keep mispronouncing i'm just that. gonna say write it behind your ears i'm gonna keep there that one go. in mind there you right go write it behind your ears to uh,
1: well, no. post your beer the pod <laughs> picture exactly exactly
0: <laughs> nice
1: do you have uh, any more, Jaren? Yeah, I have one more. Uh, Perfect. I mean, we've been going long, but that's okay,
0: I guess. You, do you have anywhere to be? I got to be here recording the Untranslatable podcast, so we are good. Uh, the, my next one is uh, Igbo. Have you heard of Igbo before? I have not.
1: It's, uh, it's, um, it's a smaller language, but it's... I don't, actually, I don't think it is a smaller language. I take that back. Uh, but it's spoken in, um, in central and southeastern Nigeria. And my uh, untranslatable is Ka ana Achu Aja Ka Ikpe in ama ndi And uh literally it means let's keep sacrificing, let the gods take uh let the gods take the blame.
0: So is this like oh who who cares what we do? Some you know, somebody else no, no, will no, clean no. it up or no.
1: No. Let's keep sacrificing, let the gods take the blame and keep Keep in mind, these are religious people. Right.
0: Let's keep sacrificing. Well, doesn't this just mean like it doesn't really matter what we do. We'll just blame it on whatever?
1: Yeah, dude. Give yourself a ham horn. All right. (laughs) I like it. All right. It essentially means, I'd say yes, but it essentially means to uh, do your part to avoid the blame. So it's like, listen, I'm going to do what I'm supposed Ah, to do. Right. Uh, like this is what I'm told to do, and you don't blame me for doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Right, and I like I, that. I found a couple of these Igbo uh, untranslatables that were like this. That were essentially saying that like, and I and I to the point where I had to Google it to see like, are the Igbo people like atheists? <laughs>
2: right.
1: Because this almost seems like a comp like a like a untranslatable that some like someone that doesn't believe in and religion would use. Where it's like all these people just keep doing things and and just and, and like, uh, like 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 they don't take any of the blame they they just pass the blame onto jesus or
0: god or whatever
1: right. uh and i just found it interesting that they had all, all those uh, that they're kind of owning up to that like, is like interesting. just doing
0: what we're told to do i'd like to hear more of those so bring some more the next okay, couple episodes sure. those are those there, are cool. yeah there was a long i found a long list of those i can and it's a cool more. it's a cool sounding language i think that's it one is. of my favorite things about learning languages but one of the most difficult things with learning any new language and a thing i think you and i have dealt with a lot with this podcast is trying to pronounce things correctly. It's Dude, not easy. There are some
1: languages that I that I kind of avoid because of that, like Polish. Oh, <laughs> for me <example>. too. 100%. <laughs> there
0: there are quite a few languages I avoid, but I think in the future, maybe wanted- even after this episode we'll have the skill set to not maybe. avoid these languages. Maybe. So I'd like to start our main segment today, Jared, with some pronunciation tips for you, for myself and also for all of our wonderful listeners out there. Um, and the first tip that I would like to give, which this almost goes without saying, but I think a lot of people are so excited to learn a foreign language that they might kind of skip this or not look at it for what it's worth. And that is you really need to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, you, you can't, you know, in certain languages, there are sounds that are very similar. Um, and if you don't hear the difference between those sounds, how can you expect yourself to produce the different sounds? with your own mouth if you aren't hearing them with your ears.
1: Right, yes. Um, so I have a question for you as a teacher of both German and English. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, I mean, obviously you've experienced words in both languages, uh, as pe- teaching a, v- a variety of cultures and, and ethnicities and backgrounds of countries. Mm-hmm. And you've seen words that people struggle to pronounce. Mm-hmm. How, is it possible to teach pronunciation?
0: 100 percent
1: and so do you as a language teacher have like uh techniques that you just know in the back of your head to teach someone to say specific words 100 percent. because sometimes yep. i sometimes i wonder is it just because you know we've talked about in the past that people uh, people's tongues and mouths uh like you 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 that's a muscle that grows based off of sort of based off of what language you learn mm-hmm. your mouth adapts to the sounds and accents of that language making it easy for you to say things that are hard for other people to say because they've learned other languages. Mm-hmm. And obviously we can learn other accents and languages and stuff like that if, if that aren't our native one. But sometimes even I wonder with certain words, it's like, is it just impossible for me to learn this? Because my mouth like has never really even been able to, like attempted this before, before now?
0: Well, I can tell you as someone who has worked for a couple of years now as a speaking and listening teacher specifically, especially for uh, English, um, you, you can learn it. The, the trick is, one, you need to be patient. Mm-hmm. Two, you really need to develop your ear. And three, I know this is going to sound corny, but you really have to watch native speakers' mouths and their tongues how they pronounce the words. It doesn't sound corny. It sounds gross. <laughs> but, okay, fair enough. But the nice thing is now with the internet, there are a lot of videos where it's like a diagram. So it's right. not as gross as looking at someone's actual mouth. You see right. a diagram, right? Like a lot of, I mean, the stereotype is with a lot of students from Asia, they, they don't pronounce their L's and their R's correctly. Mm-hmm. At least the way we would. Christmas story made fun of that. In the United States. Exactly. Exactly. I think, I think there's a lot of people who uh, make fun of it. And the thing is, I have taught students from China and Japan how to correctly pronounce L's and R's. And the main trick is, when you're learning any foreign language, you need to extremely over-exaggerate the way you make the sound because your mouth isn't mm. used to... Your mouth and your tongue aren't used to... You know, producing sounds in that specific way. So, if you like, when I would teach, uh, when I would teach a couple of my students from China and Japan how how to pronounce L, I would pick words. Eventually, uh, well, I would start with words with just one sound, one L sound, right? So, so I you would don't say, start with parallel. Probably not <laughs> parallel. No, um, I think we started with the word real. Okay. And I would do it really slowly and I would, you know, made sure I brushed my teeth really good before class that day. (laughs) Lost that day. Right, exactly. (laughs) And I would show them, I would say real, and I would obviously over exaggerate the way Mm -hmm. I say it so they can watch. And I told them, if your tongue is not touching the back of your teeth, when you say an L sound, you won't make it correctly. And by the end of the semester, I had three students who eventually could really pronounce L fairly clearly, and didn't have very much difficulty with it as the semester progressed.
1: I actually I should have known that because I um and I, I well I do know that but I should have thought I should have known that before I asked that question. Either I'm still glad I asked, but um mm-hmm. no, it's a I good question to, to ask. I went to an international school in Germany, and there were people from all over. So I've seen people from uh, I've seen people from most European countries and uh, in and both. Japan and Korea and China, I said mm-hmm. both, but that I because at first I thought it was only Japan and Korea, but I, also China, who have from all these countries, um, all, all, all sorts of Scandinavian countries all over mm-hmm. that, um, South American countries, anyway, all over that can speak English with uh, essentially a. Um, a like American, accent? American or British? Yeah, I guess that's what you'd call it. Yeah, because yeah. I, it's weird to call it an American accent, but they, right. but to the point where you you might be able to, if you were talking to them for a short amount of time or like over the phone, not realize that you're talking to someone from like from a different country. Right. And sure. uh, yeah, so I guess neutral is the right way to put it because I because I don't even want to say American because a lot of it was like British influenced, but um, but um, and obviously these people, you know, some of these people only started learning English, say. Six years ago, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, though, so, for
0: kids is long enough, I think, to develop a pretty yeah. good. This was middle uh, school. So, you know, right. that means they started exactly. when they were,
1: you know, six or seven when they first right. moved to Germany or something I, like that. I would that. say
0: at that age, you can probably have fairly, fairly good pronunciation. The other tips as well, not only listening, and I mentioned as well, um, over exaggerating the way you produce certain sounds is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but the That's other just, thing. Yeah. O-
1: over exaggerating, I meant to comment on that too. That's a similar technique that we're uh, often told in singing as well. Yep, is to is to over kind of over exaggerate your mouth mm-hmm. um, when you're when you're singing, and I assume that's a similar similar
0: reason behind both of those. Right, and it, it's even like that occasionally with with sports and also with playing musical instruments because your body has to get used to making certain movements and yeah. When you're a beginner, you might be a little more hesitant or timid, and you won't go full force. So if mm-hmm. we tell you to over-exaggerate, then we know you're definitely hitting the mark or even going a little bit past it, which is fine. Um, the other tip I wanted to give our listeners out there, and I guess you as well, since we're we're always I'm, in the process of yeah, learning I'm not languages. I'm by no means perfect. You've heard me
1: say hundreds of
0: untranslatables. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm also by no means perfect either. And I still have an accent when I speak German. Uh, my Austrian roommate loves to remind me of this whenever we we speak German. When I saw him so, last, we spoke only German. Do you, you um, do you,
1: you have which what you have a Viennese accent? No, I have an American accent. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was about to say, is there any? Could you go to Austria? I mean, or Germany. I can, I can and,
0: fool people into not realizing I'm American. I can do that, which okay. I think is kind of a compliment. But well, that's good. Um, but but because people would things, know I'm American, even though I could right. have a good conversation, like a fluid conversation, they'd right. still know. Mm-hmm. Well, the other tip I wanted to give was in, in uh, conjunction with listening, it's really important, I think, to do a lot of different types of listening. listen to songs, watch movies, um, YouTube videos, um, news reels, sports highlights, whatever you can get your hands on in the beauty of today's world with the internet, um, you can watch almost anything in whatever language, And I would say for the most part, if you're really concentrating on improving your pronunciation and your accent, you need to listen to a lot of native speakers. I think it's good practice to speak with non-native speakers, but you just won't get, you won't get the same, I guess, nativeness when you watch non-native speakers, unless they're so close to native, you can't tell much of a difference. But if I have an accent, I'm going – sorry. If I have an accent, I'm probably not producing the sounds with my mouth the same way a native speaker would.
1: Right. Right. By far the biggest helper for me, you know, you keep harping on um, listening to stuff and watching stuff and reading and all that stuff. Well, not reading, I guess. That's not going to help you with the pronunciation part. Well, I'll
0: get to that in a minute.
1: But um, listening to songs, and not only songs, but songs I actually like – is mm-hmm. by far the biggest uh and sing along with them exactly like when i like I remember finding seed that that was one of the biggest oh, helpers man. because one of
0: my favorites
1: because i i I had been introduced to a lot of German songs through school through school and class, but it was never stuff that I actually want to put on my iPod. Seed right. was the first uh group, and it was actually probably Peta fox by himself before seed, but either way he, th- th- those were one of the first like that was one of the first groups that I actually was happy to have on my iPod and listen Did to. Did I it.
0: introduce you to Seed?
1: I know. I think I think I might have heard of them before that. Oh, man.
0: I I'm sorry. To take I'm credit sorry for that. <laughs> but yeah, they're fantastic. But I agree. You need to sing along with music. I know it sounds cheesy, but it'll help your pronunciation, which I think has helped my Czech pronunciation being in a choir. Um, I feel much more confident to pronounce certain sounds in Czech now. Um, but you mentioned reading. And reading on, if you look at it just as, you know, reading a book, just as it is there, yes, it will not help your pronunciation. But if you read aloud, Mm. I think it will help your pronunciation. It'll grow your vocabulary. And it may even build your confidence. I think for some people, um, the reason why their pronunciation doesn't improve, and this is another tip, is they're too shy to speak. So do whatever you need to do at home. Uh, in the privacy of your own home, to build that confidence to speak, even if it's only a couple sentences here and there. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with that 100%. That's good. Baby steps are better than no steps at all. That's for sure. Are there, are there any uh, tips? Sorry, I just wanted to have a quick pause so I had that clean.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. Baby nice. steps are better than no steps at all. I like That's that. That's right. That should go on a T-shirt
0: <laughs> right there. Maybe it's the name of the uh, first untranslatable podcast book. Who knows? Oh. But uh, any, anyways, uh, do you have any tips, though, Jared? I've been talking a lot. Do you have any tips, like, when you were learning German or French? Um, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's hard for me to...
1: To ha- give tips because the way I learned uh, to speak German was like not the normal way, I don't think. Because, like, a lot of the way I learned <laughs> this is gonna sound weird, but yeah, like, I took obviously I took German classes, I had German teachers and you know, organized German classes. But a lot of ways that I learned pronunciation was by speaking German with people before I really knew what I was doing while I was in Germany. And German speakers or German people making fun of my pronunciation. That happened a lot. Where it's like, what? I was like, you said what? Or it's like, oh, I just thought that's how you're supposed to say it. And right. it's like, no, that
0: happened. But I, a think, that's lot more, when I, I was, think that's more I think that's more normal than the you first year think in. it is.
1: Okay, because like the first year of living in Germany, that happened all the time, right? Just, like right. Cause you know, so many people around you. And like you learn how you learn how to understand stuff before you learn how to speak it. So like I was oh, surrounded sure. by it so much. And I heard it so much, and like I would sometimes get a little cocky and try to join in, and, pe- and like sometimes mm-hmm. it would work. Sometimes people would laugh and be like, "What?
0: <laughs> Gotta check yourself. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like, "Oh, that's, that's fair. not that's not how you say that." And he's like, "No, no."
0: But then usually people would then tell me how to say it. And it's like, "Okay, well now I know." And that's a great learning moment. I, you know, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago how my Austrian roommate likes to point out my accent and my mistakes when I speak German. Mm-hmm. So- sometimes it annoys me a little bit, but a lot of the time. I really appreciate it because he is helping me and he's right. doing it because he wants to help. He's not doing it because he's, you know, trying to be some facetious be asshole. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, he's doing it because, and I told him, I think the day I met him or the day I moved into the apartment, please correct me because a lot of Germans and a lot of Austrians don't correct me because they still know what I mean, which at the end of the day, right. that's obviously the most important you know, part of it, but... You do that with me when we speak German. Like, you correct correct. me, and it's like, yeah, obviously you knew what I was talking about, but I I would like to know if I'm saying it wrong, too. Right. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, But yeah, so a couple other tips, though. So let me just try to think and recap. So obviously, number one, you need to listen. Number two, uh, well, I would say in, you know, related to you need to listen, listen to a lot of different types of language. Um, Television, movies, music audiobooks, podcasts, untranslatable untranslatable podcasts. podcasts. Exactly. (laughs) Well, honestly, I have some students here in the Czech Republic uh, that listen to the podcast. And I think it's a great opportunity for them to get a lot of uh, different English that I will not be using usually in the classrooms. So, and yeah, right. shout out to all my students. We we really appreciate it. And you're not going to uh, hold their hand and ex- explain
1: what what everything means if we're talking like a normal normal speed and not teacher speed. Right.
0: Exactly. And teacher talk is definitely a language in itself. I, I right. can tell you that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so listen a lot uh, to a lot of different media and and materials. Also, make sure to watch a lot of native speakers when they talk or go online and find some diagram of, I know it sounds gross, but a diagram of a mouth and a tongue and how the sounds are actually produced. And then the next step I would say is go in front of a mirror and try to replicate it. And even maybe watch the video as you try to replicate it after you're starting to understand how your tongue in your mouth and your lips need to produce the sounds, then I would say what's important is to record yourself, exaggerate it, record yourself, uh, hear it back. I've trained a lot of, uh, graduate students, um, at Michigan state university who had come from Taiwan, China, Japan, um, a couple other different countries as well. And I needed to help them get their pronunciation good enough so they could be teaching assistants Mm -hmm. in their respective fields. And what I always would tell them is prepare your lecture early, record it. We will listen to it together when we meet, and I will give you some extra um, advice on how to change your pronunciation for specific words. And at the end of the semester, they told me these sessions where they recorded it, re-listened, really helped them make a lot of advancements in their uh, pronunciation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's so. good. Do you do that with check? I don't want to. I I I was gonna say I should,
0: should, but I don't. Um, I was
1: gonna say I don't want to put you on blast, but that's exactly what I wanted to do.
0: (laughs) I I I will I will tell you what I have been doing with my check though. One is I've been lucky where I get a lot of input. I I hear a lot of check every day, and I'm understanding a lot more and more. I'm really surprised. I've been here four months now, a little over four, and I'm really starting to understand a lot more than initially I thought I could because it is a difficult language. It's spoken really fast. I was telling one of my colleagues today, to me, Czech just sounds like, like one sentence sounds like one really long word to my ears still. (laughs) Now I'm picking up individual words so it breaks it up a little bit in my mind. Mm -hmm. But one thing I do, this is going to sound really crazy, but one thing I do when I walk to school in the mornings is I will practice the dreaded... Okay. I'll walk to school, I'll be listening to my music, and I'll just be going r- r-
1: r- That's some sort of nervous r- tick or something.
0: Right. But you know, when I first came here, I couldn't do it because it's a combination of r rolling your tongue and making that zh sound. I remember if you first explaining to me that that was a thing. Right. And I'm pretty sure I would almost be willing to bet money that Czech is probably the only language in the world that has that sound. Because Slovak doesn't have it, and they're neighbors. I don't think Polish has it either, and they're also neighbors. We know German doesn't have it, so... But I wonder, wonder I'd be interested to hear David's opinion on that. I'll ask him. I'll ask him, I'll get back to you. But I'm I'm pretty sure. And so when I first moved here, you know, I've been able to roll my R since my sophomore year of high school. And what's funny... (laughs) It, That's it, I, know I know it's funny that I know this, but if you ask a lot of Czech people, they can usually tell you when their children or when when they were children did their first r. That's like my, one, of my, one of my colleagues told me. She it's told like me the story. Mama or
1: Dada. Right, say
2: r.
0: Right. <laughs> well, one of my colleagues told me she was on the swing uh, and her grandfather was pushing her on the swing, and he was saying all these Czech words with with r in there. Right. And then the problem with rolling your R, and I can tell you as someone who learned it, it is possible to learn. The trick is getting your mind, this is gonna sound really weird, but getting your mind and your tongue to cooperate. Mm. Because what happens is when you roll your R, it's literally your tongue hitting the top of your mouth, and they call it a trill. So it's like a trill, like an instrument where you hit the the, the fingerboard. And you release, hit, release, hit, release. Same thing with the tongue in the roof of your mouth or the top of your mouth. And so what most people do, though, is they try to force it. But the actual trill or the roll itself, you can't force it. If I try to force my tongue going up and down, it won't make that sound. But the trick is you have to kind of get your tongue near the roof of your mouth and you blow air out, and as you blow air out, your tongue should be hitting the roof of your mouth. Hmm. So when I first learned how to roll my R's... So you almost have to kind of not think about it too much. (laughs) Right, exactly. And that's also what my colleague was telling me when she was a little girl on the swing... Her I feel like I'm learning saying, like, to become a, like a ninja or something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rolling your R ninja. That's right. And so so when my, my friend Robert taught me how to roll my R, so shout out to Robert. But the irony is he taught me how to roll my R on a Spanish word that actually has a single R, which isn't a R, but it's more like a R. It's a, okay. it's a quick one, right? But the word, I still remember the word. The word was timbre, which I'm pretty sure is doorbell, I think. Okay. Um, and so he was saying something, and I, I was repeating after him. He was teaching me basic Spanish. Are you looking it up? I'm really curious if that's the right word. <laughs> T-I-M-B-R-E, if you are looking. If not, I it's okay. Am. No, I am. I am. Um, I but, was hoping you would have noticed, but how would you not? My head just turns away. Right. As as but <laughs> anyway, so he was he was speaking Spanish to me, and I said timbre, and I like rolled it. And the look on his face, it looked like I said a super offensive word in Spanish, and like, or he just looked super surprised. And he was like, he was like, you did it. I was like, did what? He's like, say timbre. And I was like, timbre. And I did it again. And then I, I kind of realized the way I did it with my mouth. And he gave me a tongue twister in Spanish. I can tell you the first couple words. Wait, so
1: Do you think you did it because you didn't realize what you were supposed to be doing? Like right. you weren't I even thinking think about, about it? I didn't think about it too much. Exactly.
0: Right. I wasn't thinking, if I, if he would have told me, put your tongue near the roof of your mouth and yeah, make you it Yeah, you would have hit, been screwed. Yeah, I, it would have been like a... It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But when he just said day" and I Right. And I tried to repeat it, I could do it. And so I literally drove my mom crazy when when I, when I was in the car, when I was at home. Uh, my friend Robert taught me a tongue twister. I can tell you the first couple of words because I still remember them. It's R con R cigarro, R con R carrin, rapido, and that's where I forget. But it's like okay. R with a car and a cigar, R... but, but if you ask someone who speaks Spanish fluently, it's really cool to hear it. Yeah, if you, you probably say it said it super enough, slow. Yeah. I did. I did. If you hear it fast, it more or less just sounds like... Rrr. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, yeah, but rolling my R's have helped me a lot in, in Czech, obviously in Spanish, because there are a lot of Americans who can't. Also in Austrian-German, they roll their mm-hmm. R's. Um, and I never do. Right. Once well, you again, can, sh- well, you, you can get them kind of the... in your. I, in I can do it throat. the throat Rrr. one, but I can't do right. a legit one. Right. But, uh, but anyway, so back to the R, the, the, the Czech word, I could do the, the rolled R, but I couldn't make the Z with the R sound, right? Mm-hmm. And so now what's <laughs> okay. really funny, I told one of, my, one of my friends in our choir group, when we have a word in our, in whatever song we're singing, whatever piece we're singing, that has the Z, I stop a word before it so I can correctly pronounce it when I sing. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> because otherwise, you're going to hear everyone else go ž, and you're going to hear me go r, or ž, right. And right, it won't, right. co- it'll sound a little off. Um, but that is by far, I think, one of the hardest sounds in the Czech language to master.
1: Uh, I, I mean, that to- makes totally uh, a lot of sense. And I tried to find more, like, scientific information, like, why, like why is it that we cannot pronounce certain things or certain people can't pronounce certain things? But I right. didn't, and
0: it's probably for the best of everyone that I didn't find that. Um, what do you think is the hardest sound for foreigners with English? Squirrel. N- not word, but sound. Oh. oh, oh, T-H. Oh, for sure. 100%. T-H is a,
1: is a common, common one. That I mean, the Germans don't have the T-H, and from what I've also heard, Hebrew and Arabic doesn't have the th.
0: I don't think there's any language that has it, but I could be wrong. Okay,
1: because I mean, oh, and I'll, another one that's hard for the Germans—that's always fun, that I always just find funny—that I remember mm-hmm. from living there is that they confuse because they confuse the w's and v's. Yep. yep. So they'll say v Volunteer. Word. And it's so funny too, because so for those of you that don't know, the w in German has a, has a v sound, of, in, like the word in, v- vine and wine. And then the V kinda has an F ish like kind of a different form of F almost. Right. However, when Germans are speaking English, on you know, ones that aren't, you know, good enough to know this, I guess, they would say a V word as a W. So they'd say like vowel as wobble or something. That's a terrible terrible choice of words to use. Right. But that's but um or like vacation as wake like wication or something like that.
0: Or or I've heard Germans say victory for victory.
1: And it's right. just and it's just funny because it's like oh so you know that how to do the sound <laughs> right.
0: What's interesting is and we know I've you can do the heard... V sound right. Right. <laughs> What's interesting though is I I have some Czech students who do the same thing.
1: Uh, that's what I I'm, I I'm, wanted to ask you that. What are the yeah. Czech uh, it, uh, mistakes you commonly hear? Because I'm sure there are this they, the W's they, and the V's for sure. They, is that is that the same in their alphabet as it is in the German one like that? I
0: I. Th- Mm, i th- i think so
1: see that's why i wanted to look it up i wanted to figure out what's like the science behind n- knowing like knowing how to say that v and no and b- it being a part of your standard like uh uh language that v it's
0: it's just a it's like a cognitive thing it's yeah it's it's all about time and practice really right and also being it's time practicing awareness if you're not aware you're making a mistake how can you correct it
1: that's true. I have friends, yeah. and when I lived in Germany, that did that, and I never corrected them.
2: Right, <laughs> I just, well, like, right. you, I you don't were want to be a about. jerk.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, as you mentioned, th, um, w's, also some. I mean, I think the biggest giveaway, if we're talking about accents, for any any foreigner or anyone learning a foreign language, is vowel sounds, because the way we say certain vowels in English are different than they say them in Czech or Spanish for or German example? or whatever. I mean, Jared, what what do you call that sport that you play on ice with a puck? Hockey? Ice so, hockey? One more time? Ice hockey. And what, what, if you were a foreigner, how do you think you would spell hockey?
1: Oh, like A-W-K or something like that? Exactly, <laughs> like... right? But there's an O there. <laughs> right. Um,
0: but then we pronounce O's differently, right? Yes. Hokey. Like, <laughs> right. Well, that's O-A, so that's a little different. Right, H- but, Ho- but, but, but or, uh, hokey. I, Sorry, you're I right. thought you were saying hockey. Yeah, I thought okay. you said hokey. I misheard you. Oh, no, like hokey, like a Philly cheesesteak. Hokey, right? Yeah, um, like yeah, what, what's, what's, a look more, up... oh, what's a no, more guess... formal word for uh, a uh, car automobile? So, why don't we say automobile? Auto-mo- automobile. Oh, yeah, auto,
1: <laughs> I guess
0: automobile, I don't know. right? Yeah, you just so, have to know those are the things you just have to know. Right. And that's something that I also wanted to mention in terms of pronunciation, is try to be aware of how different sounds interact with each other.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. But that's, you can only get from listening. Though. That's once it goes
0: back to listening. Right. You think, exactly. You can't
1: just know that.
0: Right. And I think a lot of these will probably go back to listening. I think... For sure. Yeah. What's funny is we, there was a German teacher at uh, in Vienna. We didn't have her because she taught the lower level students. But because she was one of the senior-level teachers, she would always take the vocal students and the music students in her German class. And it was like German one, beginning German, but she always had the best students. Because I think musicians and singers especially, their ears are so much better trained than the normal person. And if you're a singer, in theory, your mouth and your tongue should also be better trained.
1: Well, and a lot of those, like a lot of classical singers learn... um Learn songs that uh, in foreign languages that they don't have any of the slightest clue to speak, like uh, right. like plenty of perf- like amazing singers have sang songs in say Italian or
0: German or whatever. Right. But
1: right. theoretically, they can't put a sentence; they couldn't make a sentence in in Italian. Right? They uh, can't
0: uh, necessarily speak the language, but at they can a speak level, beautifully they can when they sing it. Exactly.
1: And but I it's think like, the yeah, interesting... this person doesn't know Italian at all. Would you? Right. It's like they just speak. right. And I think the the interesting
0: thing with singing is um, a really good singer sounds accentless. Right. You know, they sound like a native speaker. And there are some people you can hear that are, um, you know, groups from around the world, and you'll hear them sing in English, and they have little to no accent. And then the moment they speak English in an interview... It's like night and day, and I don't know why it's different, but it is. I,
1: I showed you a hip-hop artist, a rapper called Sirius Klein. Mm-hmm. and he's from, uh, he's from Germany. And when he raps, he doesn't really, you wouldn't really guess that he's German. But I would be very interested to hear what he sounds like just talking in English, because right. he was rapping in English, and he, he probably he, if, if you weren't like a keenly pay, trying to think about that stuff, you wouldn't really think that he's not American. Right. And so, but, but you wouldn't be, but I, but I guess you wouldn't really be able to be like, oh, well, that guy's definitely from New York or oh, that's definitely an LA rapper. Like, I don't know if you'd be able to do that, but you'd just be like, hey, it's an American guy. Exactly. But he's not. And I'd be interested to know what he sounds like and just conversationally. Cause obviously exactly. he also speaks German probably perfectly. He's
0: German. Exactly. <laughs> well, Jared, I think we've done enough preaching. I think it's time for us to put our money where our mouths are and try yeah, to pronounce some, some difficult fun. words. So, um, Let's let's start with German, because I feel like both of us are fairly confident in German. Let me give you one first. Okay. Sounds good. How, how do you say scrambled
1: eggs in German?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Hold up. I let, me, let me get a sip of my tea. Let me clear my throat. Uh. Ah, okay. Rue <clears throat> Oh, that was good. Rue Aja. Uh. That's a tough Aya. one. Ruh- that's a tough one. Or, or the verb to stir is rühren. Rure, rühren. That's probably that's even harder. harder. Yeah, that's harder.
1: You know what word I always uh, – I remember my mom used to always struggle with mm-hmm. – uh, I was going to say when we first moved to Germany, but she mm-hmm. struggled with it the entire time we were there and still mm-hmm. now – is uh, chicken, but the ch- way you say chicken in Germany. Hähnchen. Yes. Okay. My mom cannot
0: do that. What does she say? Hähnchen. Really, she can't say the a. The she can't do the,
1: no henshin. She can't do like the hien.
0: Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. And see, that's a sound that I sometimes mess up. I will mess up my my H with my SH. Like oh. when I first moved to Henschen. to Austria, I would say französisch. Uh, sorry, französisch. When it ah. should be französisch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah the yeah. German word for French. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. and I still do that occasionally. But it only happens if I'm talking fast. If I speak right. slowly not, when I teach German, I don't usually make that mistake. All right, Jared, how do you say squirrel in German? Of
1: course, this is the this is the classic, and uh-huh. I'm almost mad that I have to. Uh, um, all right, I'm look. I'm to be fair, I am looking at it, so that's going to help a little bit.
0: Uh-huh.
2: That,
1: uh huh. I would agree. I would agree cause that does I, help because well, especially with German, because German is very phonetic. Yeah. And I, but I, stro- I've struggled with this word ever. So, so, uh-huh. but I, ich, uh, That was pretty good. It definitely helps good. looking at it because sometimes I when agree. I because sometimes when I don't look at it, I also think it's like I hün or something like that uh-huh. or I like like I'll make like weird mistakes with to right. it right but yeah I yeah that's pretty good I mm-hmm. go ahead it's it's uh, it's uh, I I wonder who. Is trying to spite who with this word? Because what's so funny about this word is that the Germans can't say squirrel either. Right, this is <laughs> no squirrel. No one can say this word. Squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> no one can say the word. So right. it's like they so like it's um, English decided on squirrel, and Germans are like, oh yeah, okay, fine.
0: chin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say
1: this. <laughs>
0: right. That's why you got to use the Austrian German word Oachkatzel. That's even harder. That's easier.
1: <laughs> I guess it is. It is o- easier. Ach.
0: Katz- oh.
1: Well, that's true. It's easier, but it's still a weird sound to, for, right. for for, Engl- for English right. speakers. It's actually a lot funner to say, You, you said that
0: really good. It's that's the other thing I forgot to mention while we were preaching was difficult words you have to break down syllable by syllable or even sound yes. by sound. And I tell all of my beginning German students that because I'll never forget I was teaching either German 101 or German 102, so first or second semester German. And we had the word Sehenswürdigkeit, mm-hmm. which is like a, like a tourist attraction Seizing, or a site. Uh, yeah, sites. Right, sites There we go. Thank you. Um, of course, in German, it's way longer than sites. <laughs> Sehenswürdigkeit. Well, it
1: makes perfect sense because it's like
0: things that a you would sea, like, that you're yeah, looking a for. Yeah, like, seaworthy thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it just makes sense. <laughs> and so I literally had the class. I stopped the class and I said, all right, Sehens, they would repeat it, mm-hmm. würd ich, Kite, and eventually they got it and you practice it slow and you build on it and you go faster and then you get it uh, well that's other... the beauty of german though is right. it's, it's uh it's like so phonetic but you can do that with any language because it's all just sounds
1: which is also i i've heard that well i was looking up like list of English, easiest to hardest languages mm-hmm. to learn and italian is and um and actually swedish and norwegian are also easy to learn mm-hmm. for that because they're uh, for that reason because right. they're very uh Phonetic languages, right? And so is Spanish as well. Yeah, I guess I said Italian. I guess obviously Spanish. Right, Spanish Not fits in there too. Spanish w- would be too.
0: All right, Jared, you got another German word for me?
1: Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how do you say
0: a rubber ducky? Oh, this is like. Um, I- I'm looking at it, and I still don't know how to say it. Isn't it? Isn't is <laughs> uh, Isn't it like Quiche Entchen or something?
1: Oh yeah, I guess that's pretty good.
0: I'll spell it for you. Q
1: U I E T S C H E E N T C H E N. So I so Kvichness I not understand. The to... is to squeak. Okay, that's that. That's the hardest part. Is the kvich
0: uh-huh. kvich Q U I E T S C H is the hard part. But see, you mentioned that reading these helps. I think reading this one makes it worse because of the it two does. E's there. <laughs> yeah. Kvich and and Yeah. The two E's and the U I E is very weird. Right. So Jared, how do you say ice skating? Oh,
1: that one I can actually do, but that is a tough one. Schlittschuhlaufen.
0: Yeah, that was good. Schlittschuhlaufen. That's very good. Uh uh-huh. I think that one actually
1: kind of fits our English mouths, our English-speaking mouths. Schlitt? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it, yeah it, I would it, say it's so. It's a schlitz. Right. But I can understand how o- other uh, non-native German or English speakers would have a lot right. of trouble with that. Like it's it's it makes sense why that would be a tough one. Right. That schl. Mm-hmm. Is a is a lot of vowels and hard sounds right com- clashing right, right. Schlitzu laufen.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, right, give what, me some more German words.
1: How do you say <laughs> this is little matchbox? Do you know how to say little matchbox? Of course, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: What? <laughs>
2: Wait, let me say that one more time.
0: Oh my <laughs> God. Let me just. <laughs> <laughs> out there. So there's a reason, Jared. Let me tell you a quick little story. There's a reason why I can say this one. And it's not perfect, but it's, I would say it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Now, I was I'm not, not trying to toot to my own kid. ham horn, even though I literally was <laughs> a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> when I was in Germany a couple summers ago, I had a German friend, and she taught me the tongue twister uh, Czech little matchbox, which is Czech's Streichholz Chestelchen. Oof. So that's a tough one. And there's actually a meme online that says, you know you're German when you can pronounce Tschechische Sometimes it rolls off the tongue for me. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but yeah. So Jared, how do you say the uh, word for Austria? Österreich. That was pretty good. That, that O umlaut in the beginning of any it, word to me is tough.
1: I, I, you know, and I still sometimes struggle with differentia- differentiating the you umlaut ü uh, in the o oh umlaut uh, uh. okay like, <laughs> okay i'm probably did it wrong right there but like i i um i think those sounds because it's they're different but it's they're a similar, subtle mouth change it's a subtle right. mouth change that you're doing can i give and, you a
0: tip as a german teacher sure so there's two words that are have the the umlaut in the beginning and a similar ending So we have über, which means over, right? And then we have Uber.
1: It means get a car when I'm hammered.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what's funny. Whenever I say. Uber, my instinct automatically tries to say Uber. Uber. Yeah, Uber. Uber.
1: <laughs> yeah but you'd sound like a real D-bag. If you're... <laughs> right? Oh, did, did you call it the
0: Uber? <laughs> Could you please call it the Uber for me? The Uber? I had too many beers this evening and I need the Uber. But yeah, so Uber and öfter. Ugh. So it oh, means yes, like over and one. more often. Uber, öfter. There you go. But yeah, my and my umlauts aren't perfect either, you know, and they are by far, I think, one of the hardest sounds to do in German. So speaking of umlauts, Jared, how what's the verb in German to listen? Hören. But I mean the verb uh, to listen. To listen? In Auf- in in, 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 a, in <laughs> a, aufhören means to quit. Oh shit, yeah, you're right. Uh, Zu hören. Oh, zuhören, zuhören, right? Hör mir, hey, Junge, hör mir mal zu. Oh, yeah. Like, listen to yeah, me, Yeah, right? yeah. Hör mal zu. Zuhören, I think, is a hard one to say as well. Zuhören. Yeah. But, but we, can, we can say it decent, but I think for a lot of people it's difficult. Jerry, do you know the German word for uh, to monitor? What do you mean by monitor? Like monitoring or spying. Well, I don't know. Überwachung.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I did know that. I just yeah. Überwachung, (laughs) überwachung. Mm -hmm. That is hard for uh, for a lot of people.
0: Well, I think it's because it's not a pretty sound, so a lot of people don't try to make it. But when I speak German, I I gotta go all in. I mean, überwachung. I don't. You can't hold back on that. You just can't.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Überwachung. Yeah. Yeah. The word won't really come out right if you if you don't. Right. You kind of have to embrace the uh, (laughs) embrace it. Right. Uh, So Jared. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, were you going to I, – because I was going to change languages. Oh, sweet. All right.
0: We've I, well, talked a lot about
1: German. Yeah, before we you know change so languages,
0: about. I want one more. I want – okay. I, I, I'm just going to say this word. It's it an amazing me. word. It is – I don't even know how many letters it letters it is, but it's a ton of letters. And here it is. Now I'll say it slow first. Etikettierungsüberwachungsaufgabenübertragungsgesetz. <clears throat> Alright, let me
1: let me take a stab at that. Okay. Steak.
0: Wait. I need to I need to <laughs> I need to. also, by the way, it's a 63 letter long word. Let me let me you say, I'll each... say it slow again. Yeah. Okay. Rinfleisch. Steak. Uh-huh. Or or beef. Or yeah. beef, yeah. Beef. Yeah, yeah. I would say beef. Rinfleisch. Really steak. Uh uh. I mean they do, but they call it steak. Okay. But Rindfleisch Etikettierungs. Okay, Beef Etiquette? Uh-huh. Okay. Überwachungs. I just told you what this one means. Monitoring. Uh-huh. Auf, beef. Uh, so Rindfleisch Überwachungs. Beef uh-huh. Etiquette Monitoring. Aufgaben. Assignment? Ka- or, or task, yeah. Task, okay. Assignment's close. That's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Übertragung. I don't know what that is. Um Übertragung is like Um like supervision, I think. Okay. Pre church okay. supervision. And then Gazettes is like essay or Mm-mm, Gazettes. Not Alfsatz, but gazettes. Gazettes. That's oh, law. That- law. It's yes. Law.
1: I was gonna say, I was like, I I was I I knew I kinda knew it because I was like, I'm I, it's obviously not police, but for some reason right. that's the first thing that came to my mind. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's law.
0: So this is the law of um, supervision of the labelling of beef, and in German, it's all one word. <laughs> That's
2: hilarious.
0: Rindfleischetikettierungsüberwachungsaufgabenübertragungsgesetz.
1: That is definitely what the Germans are best at, is for uh, w- long ass words. Right. But, Compound but words, definitely. It, but it, 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 once you start learning German, it actually makes perfect sense, and and the logic behind combining oh, those sure. words does start to make sense, even though they do sound ridiculously long the right. long one that my sister used uh, told me when i was first learning german when we, we not i were first mm-hmm. learning german was um uh max uh, maximum speed li- speed limit
0: g- uh, what g- geschwindigkeits uh, uh g- well Grenze?
1: maximal, gesch- gesch- maximal geschwindigkeits uh-huh i think there might be more after that but i don't, <laughs> I don't remember anymore right. but um it's just a
0: combination of I would words, think it would be maximal uh, Geschwindigkeitsbegrenzung would be my guess. Maybe it was. Maybe it but, was. But anyways, let's get to some other languages. Yeah,
1: so Spanish. See so here are some words that um, native Spanish speakers, some English words mm-hmm. that native Spanish speakers will, will struggle to pronounce. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spanish, let me explain a little bit about Spanish, especially in comparison to English real quick. Spanish has five pur- pure vowels and in five diphthongs. Do you know what a diphthong is?
0: It's uh, like, uh, yeah. Uh, dip, die meaning two. And a diphthong is basically when a vowel makes two sounds.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Oh, so we, uh, English is filled with those. Yeah. Especially Southern
0: American English. There's a lot of them.
1: Vowel uh, length is not significant in distinguishing between words. Mm -hmm. However, English has 12 pure vowel sounds and eight diphthongs. The length of the vowel sound plays an important role. It is not surprising, therefore, that Spanish background learners may have great difficulty in producing or even perceiving the various English vowel sounds. So here are some words that a Spanish speaker might struggle with.
0: Before you get there, can I I take a guess? I was just about...
1: To say, ask if you if you had any ideas of words because yeah, you, one of your best friends is a yep. native Spanish speaker.
0: Yeah, I have a I have a couple of friends, uh, a couple from Mexico, a couple from Chile, um, a couple from Spain. The hardest sound that I've heard with them was the short "i," the "i," like "hit." Like one if of you the words, ask a Spanish. Yeah, go ahead. Well, one of the words is "ship." Yep. So, if you ask a Spanish speaker to say "ship" and "sheep." Um, yep, and there's that's actually exactly what it says. <laughs> yeah, and there's actually um, a, a, a tool I use in a lot of my English lessons. Or kitchen, that's another one. Right. There's a tool I use called minimal pairs, where you have two words that are almost the same, like bin and bean, and you do this with a partner, and you follow. It's it's called a minimal pair maze, and they're really helpful for English learners because we do have so many words that have. They're very similar, but the vowel sound might be different, right? Like slip Mm -hmm. and sleep. I had my uh, the Spanish students in my class do that, and they eventually, by the end of class, they could hear the difference. But in the beginning, they couldn't hear the difference when I was saying it, and I'm a native speaker, right? And I said, okay, and a teacher, so you're playing as clearly as possible, right? Exactly. But the trick is, you have to, like I said, they had to watch my mouth. Um, I had to really enunciate everything very, very clearly. But yeah, that short i is difficult. See, I've
1: obviously never thought about that one because mm-hmm. I can clearly under- hear the difference because I'm a native right. English speaker, mm-hmm. and because I don't, I've never really learned, taken any sort of serious learned Spanish more than the swear words, <laughs> <laughs> right? Which is
0: which is the first thing but, everyone learns.
1: But when when you just explain it to me, it's like, oh, of course, those are like would sound very similar, ship and sheep, right? And and they're obviously two completely different things. So. Now, these are some words you've probably encountered with your friends because you, they've stayed at your house. You've probably mm-hmm. stayed at some of their houses maybe. I don't know if you've never been to Chile, have you? Not yet. It's on the list. Um, breakfast. That's a tough one. Have oh, you noticed yep. that? Yep. Uh-huh. And so a simple word for all of us, obviously, but it's tough for the Spanish speakers because that cluster, yep. uh, that consonant cl- cluster, the, the KF. The, the B and the
0: too. Oh, the B-R. I thought it was the K-F. Also probably the KF, but I think more of the B R. Because a B in Spanish is a B and a V in Spanish are very similar. My Spanish speaking friends, I could whenever they said volleyball, it was always bolibol. Ba- yes, volleyball. But I've, I've heard that mm-hmm. I've heard
1: that one a lot before. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. the volleyball specifically, but
0: the V's turning into B's.
1: Because yeah. I've heard it with
0: Volvo, Volvo. Right. <laughs> right. And the thing is with the B and the R, the way we say our our R's we don't use our tongue on the roof of our mouth it's actually kind of more towards the middle of our mouth right if you say breakfast it's it's not yeah. breakfast it's breakfast
1: what they oh i see what you're saying that mm-hmm. yeah what mm-hmm. what they're saying what so how the spanish speakers would say is like breffas, uh huh without the k and without the t right and i think i think the k and the t especially it's it's, it's too much consonant for for what they're used to which right. makes perfect sense because their language sounds way better than ours. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, <laughs> another word that they struggle with is teeth. Oh, yeah, they would say teet because once again, yeah. that yeah. th is a struggle for just about any non-native English speaker.
0: And as an English teacher, for even
1: all, a lot of, yeah. sorry, I I, I just want to say even I've even noticed that a lot of native English speakers struggle with that th my cousin chris uh chris blaker he's not my cousin that's my friend my cu- cousin chris that we uh, mentioned that's uh, probably best that i forget his last that i don't use his last name <laughs> probably, probably. my cousin chris <laughs> that we mentioned uh on a previous episode he um is uh, obviously a native English speaker he's american mm. but when it's uh, when the th is at the end of a word he always mm. said he like he always makes turns into an f so like breath he'd say breath mm-hmm. or teeth he'd say teeth. And I've heard other people do that before, where they, right. they cannot do that. And it's specifically at the end of the sentence, though. Right. Because he can say the, he can say that. He's not saying fat or "fuh." It's just easier to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it's just how your mouth has to right. form. And so you start with it rather than right. going into it.
0: Right. Well, and I can tell you as an English teacher, um, for all of our non-native English-speaking listeners out there, the proper way in order to make the th sound is i know it sounds silly but you have to put your your tongue in the middle of your teeth and then blow out it's the oh only yeah. way you can make that th sound there's no <laughs> yeah. other way that you can make that sound but the other tricky thing about uh, that once you tell a foreign speaker that they get it immediately yes and no because you have to do it I mean I would I'm suggest cuz I already right. know how to do it. <laughs> well, what I would suggest would be first just isolate the sound. So you're only going th, 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 right? And and then pick some words the, where the. where the sound is in the beginning of the word. Yeah. Repeat that a lot. Then maybe in, in the middle of the word like a word like bother, right? And then at the end of the word like teeth. So the hardest is ending with it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would assume actually the hardest would be in the middle. Okay. Because starting's the easiest, right? Right. I would say. Because you can actually th- f- right. put some focus on it. But, like, uh, but the other difficulty is we have two slightly different sounds in English. We don't say th- this, we say this. Right. Right? Teeth, this, the. This. B- right. Oh, yeah. The thi- sound. We're not saying this. Right. We're not saying the, yeah. we're saying the. <laughs> so the, the tongue is still in the middle the. of your teeth but it's it's oh, it's not geez. as voiced it's different so that also causes some problems for english learners
1: it's so funny though that it's so funny to me that us as english speakers we're we're the most privileged in the sense that the, we're the least likely to have to learn another language yet we also have one of the most difficult languages to pronounce right and right. So yeah. it, it's just like we, we we like we're the least likely to learn another language, and we're also forcing expecting
0: other people to know a yeah. very hard language to learn. Right. Which bothers me a lot that I wish more English speakers would try to learn other languages, but that we can we can do another episode on that. I That's mean, a whole yeah. nother box of worms. <laughs> I would like to mention one word that I have specifically seen here in the Czech Republic. Um by the way. Oh, go uh-huh. ahead. I have one more Spanish one I want to give you first. Though. Oh, okay, go for it. One more... Yeah, yeah. I know we're going more.
1: long, but I want to give you one more Spanish one because this is funny. Uh, focus. Okay. <laughs> so. Um, I'm assuming the... they
0: say like "fuck us."
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the That long O is very difficult, and so they tend to say "fuck us." Okay. And and it's it would it would if you were to phonetically spell it, it would be like mm-hmm. F-U-H-C-U-S c- uh, or F-U-C-K-U-S. Right. Uh, and I just find that funny. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Have you,
0: I'm sure you've heard that too. Um, well, it's, it's funny you mention that. I've heard many Czech people, when they say fact, they don't say the ah, it's more of a, uh, more of a fucked. So do they, they, they
1: don't have that sort of ah sound really?
0: There aren't many languages that do, that have that very nasalized ah. It's so a,
1: German might be one of the closer ones with the eh umlauts. Yeah. But, but that's, that's, still that's still not ah, that's, that's like yeah.
0: "a." Yeah, später. Yeah. Epfel. That's a good it's point. It's not it's not apple, it's epfel. It's Yeah, that's a good it's point. It's different. It is different. But yeah, one word though that I I've have, I have heard a lot of Czechs make a mistake with, which is a difficult word if you look at the spelling, is the word choir. Yes. Cuz it's C H O I R and we say choir. Like it's K. And it's like a lo- a lot of noises
1: in one almost. Does, right. does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like For that, such a short H-O-I- word. Yeah. yeah. R right. is
0: a very difficult a lot right. going on in there. Right. It's not chore, it's choir.
1: And it's it, it that does seem like a complex and this is me watching you closely now, because mm-hmm. obviously these these are words I never think of because I just know how to say them. Right. But as I watch you your mouth, like it's choir. a complicated It's a complicated move and there's mm-hmm. not a lot of like hard sounds to break up that move. Right. So, so it, you, it, and for someone that's not used to ma- saying that, I guess it's hard to sort sort of force out all that air right. a- it's, it's, it, and not really have any hard sounds to break it up.
0: Another really difficult sound.
1: I think choir is hard for a lot of languages, by the way. I don't think that's specific to Czech.
0: Yeah. Oh, because I would that, agree. That one comes agree. up a lot. I think Germans struggle with that too, actually. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure most non-native English speakers do. Another uh, set of uh, letters... Or words, well, they're actually numbers that are difficult for non-native speakers. Is any one that ends in a th like sixth, fifth? Yes, fourth for sure. Those are tricky. I mean that
1: that's mixing two difficult things. That I mean sixth th, -th, and then for like for the Spanish people, for example, as you mentioned, that s sound is is difficult. Right.
0: I think another uh, type of words that are difficult for non-native English speakers are words we have with an. R with, I guess you could call it kind of like an R sandwich with a vowel in between, like mirror. We don't say mirror, we say mirror. Yeah, almost no, like we say M E E E R, right? Yeah, it's, mirror, mirror. Right. No yeah, one says mirror. We say mirror. Yeah, mirror. I looked in the mirror today. I, I did. Yeah. I don't say I looked in the mirror today. <laughs> or another one that's difficult is the word rural. Yes. Like I'm living out in the country. Reason. Yeah, rural. Yeah. It's why tough. do we
1: do this? Why is this? Why, do, why does English do this? Why
0: is it so complex like that? Where, it's just the way we make the R sound. And what's funny is I've heard Germans tell me that English kind of sounds like we have peanut butter stuck on the roof of our mouth. I remember my sister um, telling me
1: she had a she had a friend from Spain uh, in mm-hmm. when we lived in Germany, and and she said her friend had an amazing uh, American accent. Never been to mm-hmm. America before, by the way. This okay, just uh, Sp- Spanish person. That I don't think has ever been to America. And she said all she did was like squeeze her nose and got super nasally, and it and it just sounded very American. And my sister okay. was like, "I'm almost I was almost kind of offended to realize that all it takes is just get super nasally, and you can sound American."
0: I mean, that's pretty <laughs> true, though. That's really, really true. Um,
1: oh my god! I, I like, and I, that was the. I mean, this was obviously I was like eighth grade or something like that. But this was right. the first time I even realized that the American accent is a staple of it is nasal.
0: I didn't know right. that. Oh, it's super true. It's super yeah, true.
1: But that was—I before I mean, I was young. I had no reason to analyze my accent or what right. that well, compared sure, of to anything not. else. But
0: of course not. Um, are there any other words you can think of, Jared, that are difficult for non-native English speakers? Uh, I think we've covered a lot of them. There, yeah, we have, and we've been going
1: long. I mean, there are there are a bunch, but um, it's just it's just interesting to really one pay close attention to your face and realize and, and actually think about and recognize why that these words that, that are so difficult, why they would be.
0: So speaking of difficult words to pronounce, mm-hmm. I want to give you a couple check words that I have been having a oh, super yes. difficult time pr- trying to pronounce. So this first one is Thursday, which is probably a hard one for non-native English speakers to pronounce in yeah. English, Thursday, and the Czech word... I'll tell you how it's spelled, Jared, first, so you can kind of visualize it. It's C with a ha check, which is a ch sound, then followed by a T, a V, an R, a T. Whoa, whoa. Too many. Whoa. You haven't said one vowel yet. So it's C, T, V, R, T, E, K. And that C at the beginning is pronounced a ch. Can I try first? Yeah, try it. I
1: wrote it down. There's one, one, two, three, four, five. There's six consonants and one vowel in this yep. word. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. Oh my
0: god. Czweczek. Such bad. I have to say it piece by piece because I can't say czwartek <laughs> <laughs> at once because the the ch with the t and the v, all crammed in there, are so difficult to say. Czwart. <laughs> Ah, uh, see, I can't get the, the T after the now ch sound. You're,
1: you're thinking too much about it. Now. I That's guess so, better.
0: yeah. Chtvertek. That was a little better. That's a tough one, right? The next one I have for you is the Czech word for four, and it okay. is another C with the hot check, so it's a ch. Mm-hmm. Um, then a T, a Y, an R with a hot check, which is like the little arrow, and that is the z sound. Uh oh. And the I, and then there's an I at the end. All right. So how do you think you say this one?
1: Chizichli. <laughs> oh, jeez. Chizichli. Chizichli. I can't do the hot check though. Right. It's um, our It's check. Chizichli. Chizichli. It's uh, a. <laughs> it's a.
0: Uh, it's. I want to get it. <laughs> it's um. Shchizhi. <laughs> Shchizhi. It's really, it's really, I have to really focus really hard to say. Yeah. It. A lot of times I, I just say, um, is where I usually, what usually comes out, but it's. Shtigy. And the word for I mean, three is "tri." tri. It's T R hot I, so it's got the. R-r-r. So it's T E. Well,
1: a lot, a lot of those European, I mean, most of those. European languages outside of like the Romance ones, uh-huh. a, a lot of those um, Baltic countries, a lot of right. the Eastern European countries. That's all. Uh, that's all, all. All. those uses over usage of consonants is mm-hmm. way way out of as Our American right.
0: uh, mouth abilities. Right. All right, Jared. I got a couple more for you. In check though. Okay. This one is spelled P R S T. It means finger. P R S
1: T. So there's no vowels in this. No one. vowels. P-R-S-T. Prist. Prst.
0: Prst. Uh huh. Okay. Prst.
1: Uh-huh. Parst. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yeah, that was good. That was pretty good. Perst. Okay. The next one, this is the check word for silver. And it's S T R with the hot check. Okay. B uh, sorry. S T R hot check I B R O. Sribro. Okay, wait. Stribro. 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 I, I can't completely do it either, but yeah, that one's a tough one. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, the next one. The next one is I'll, I'll give you a word with one vowel. That's all you're gonna get. One vowel. It's P-R-S-K-A-T. And it's the verb to snarl. Přitkat. Přitkat. Prskat.
1: I, uh-huh. I I I try to I try to do too much. That's what. Uh-huh. I Scott <laughs> uh-huh. But this is also coming from someone that doesn't even know how to like put Czech letters together like right. properly. Right. So. Right. And I'm slowly but getting. But I, I just I just try to, to do too much with every word. Right.
0: So this this Priscuits. next one this Priscuits. next one uh, means poke, and it's s t r c hot check. So the ch sound it. Chisik. Starchit. Oh. starchik. Po- I mis- misunderstood Stur-chick. you. Starchit. Uh, Sorry. Starchit. Starchit. Uh-huh. That one I can actually do. Yeah. I think. I mean, right. a
1: Czech person would be like, what did you just say? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: And actually, we're going we're gonna to jump a little bit, and I'm actually going to do our Czech word of the pod right now, because it's so on topic. Parada. And the word is rzajika, which means watercress in Czech. I think it I've has, heard this
1: one before. I
0: probably have mentioned it on the pod because it has two of the R right next to each other. It's R, E, R, I, C, H, A. That's the That's close to the proper way are, to say it.
1: Are watercrests the common occurrence uh, in Czech cuisine?
0: I don't think so, but I think they just love this word because they have foreigners try to say it all the time. Right. Okay. I mean, if I had... If I had a beer for every time I've been asked to say Shazika, I don't think I would have to buy a drink the rest of my time in the Czech Republic.
1: So Czech people just like to laugh watching you butcher of that word? Of course.
0: But now, because I'm slowly starting to somewhat pronounce it correctly. Less fun. Right. I'm, re- I'm spoiling all their fun. Exactly. They're
1: like, oh, that's actually not that bad. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Well, speaking that's of great. sounds. Good. I'm good for you. Good right. for you, Chad. Show them. You show them. That's right. Speaking of sounds, I think it's time we move on and talk about our song of the pod for the evening. What do you think?
1: Oh, hell yeah, man. So this, I guess I'll introduce it because um, this is by our boy uh, Michael Zupstrom, right? Strum? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so as I mentioned, as if I assumed anyone that's listening right now knows that I went to a concert, it's not like, it's not the radio. For those of you just tuning in, uh, I went to a uh, concert at someone's house by this guy Um but this is one of his pieces that he did not perform at the, um, at the Red Velvet Hole concert. But I figured, hey, why not talk about it? Because, mm-hmm. one, we like to include international people. He's American, however. This is performed by Benjamin Bileman, by- uh, who's American. Luosha Feng, who was at the concert mm-hmm. that I went to the other day. Uh, she's Chinese. And Vicky Powell, uh, excuse me, Luosha was playing violin. Vicky Powell, Mm -hmm. also American, playing viola. And then uh, Juan Juan Lee, he's Korean, right? Yep, was playing cello. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's still an we still got an international uh, group of um, of performers,
0: very talented musicians.
1: Yeah, one of them. And I, I feel honored that I even got to see Luosh. Like now now that I like listen to it, I'm like, wow, it's so crazy that I got to see you play live. Right. Um and so this song is um classical piece. You know, it's it's contemporary classical is what they'd call it. I was just if gonna say, I, I was
0: just about to stop you right there and say, Well, yeah, I would say it's more contemporary. Maybe and you could call it contemporary Mike, classical. That's
1: what Michael uh mentioned. Mm-hmm. during uh his per- per- performance the other day is that he's he is, he is and, and I believe also Bartok and Dvor- Dvorak are considered um Dvorach, Dvor- Dvorak <laughs> <laughs> Dvorak Dvorak are considered uh-huh. Dvorak Dvorak are considered There you go you uh, got it. I'm trying to get it to stick in there. You got it. are considered contemporary classical artist as well. No?
0: Um, uh, may- maybe so your face just okay. I'm not. I don't know maybe if I call it contemporary. But are, are they not 18 late 1800s? Yeah, but is that considered contemporary? I thought contemporary was later. It's been a while okay, since maybe. I opened up my music so, history textbook. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. But he, I think I, I feel like I remember, um, drip, uh, my, drip, claiming it to be contemporary classical. Contemporary and I,
0: I'm classic. Not, I don't mean- don't make, don't uh,
1: don't let me talk uh, this Mike's name uh, out of his name because he's a legitimate comp- composer oh, professional sure. and I don't want to put this stuff on him. That's wrong. That he probably didn't say.
0: <laughs> well, well, here now according to Wikipedia. So take it how you will. Um, contemporary classic classical music can be understood as belonging to the period that started in the 70s to the early 90s. Then oh, so you've modernist, that's, postmodern, uh, okay. neo-romantic, and pluralist music. So only Um, Zippstrom is the contemporary one, right?
1: Okay, well, regardless, can I? uh, Can you give your uh, your review opinion of this Mm -hmm. piece? Because this is my first time listening to it, just like you. Uh, But I I thought it would be cool to feature someone that you know I I saw, and you're way more versed in, in analyzing
0: classical music than I am. I wish you would have asked me this when I was still in undergrad, because I could have given you a thorough analysis on it. With the academic Uh, terms and everything. exactly, exactly. (laughs) I have to say, it it took me a minute to become a fan of it, because it's kind of the piece of music, I think, itself. And I'm not going to speak for the composer, but at least the feeling I get is one of a lot of tension. I feel like this would be an amazing movie soundtrack piece, um, but you,
1: you, you, I, I sensed a lot of that when I was listening to him too. There's even one piece he did, the the um the daydreams in night vision. Mm-hmm. He he said that song just felt like there was a lot of tension and darkness in there, and he mm-hmm. said that it was it was six movements. Uh, it wasn't terribly long, but it was six movements, and it was three happy ones and three kind of darker ones. Mm-hmm. But to me, I struggle to differentiate the happy ones from the darker ones. So I okay. just want to throw that in there. So, like the the fact that you mentioned that, I've noticed that I noticed that uh, yesterday when I was
0: listening to him as well. Right. I mean, the piece starts off with speaking of trills. The piece starts off with, I believe it's, might be a viola trill, could be violin as well. Um, yeah, it's hard to differ- differentiate those two and, by and, ear. Right. And the and the piece of music itself almost sounds like. At least to my ear, it sounds kind of like the instruments are, um, they're like kind of portraying like a chase or like a Mm -hmm. race because Mm -hmm. it's like all these faster parts and they're kind of layered a little bit. It's a beautiful piece of music, but its I would say it's not something that I would listen to if I was trying to just sit there and relax and have some beautiful music in the background. I would say right. it's a piece of music where honestly I might even put this on like a playlist. If if I ever ran, I would put this on a playlist maybe for running. Interesting. Yeah, because it does that that sort of it does have a sense of urgency for sure. Yep, absolutely. And um I, I understand what you're saying when you say that. And there's not a ton of resolution. Like I keep expecting the piece to resolve somewhere. And then it continues with this kind of tense, eerie vibe to
1: it. <laughs> Another funny that you say that. I love that. See, I, that's why I love that I, I brought this up, because I noticed that at yesterday, where I was often surprised that a song was over. I was like, oh, really? That's where you're going to end it? <laughs> right. Where, where, where it kind of felt like, where it was like, oh, 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 that's it.
0: There, I, I, I right. noticed a lot of that yesterday as well. Because our, it's crazy. Our ears expect it usually to resolve somewhere. Like and that's what I've, mm-hmm. I've I've
1: learned that um, learning piano is is like you learn about I mean you learn about one you learn about uh, music structure so you understand how a resolution arrives right. and then you also learn about what a resolution is so how you set up chord progressions to say end on the same chord exactly. that you started with for exactly
0: example. yeah usually you use because it's uh, a similar sound you're familiar yeah. with it right you use a dominant fifth chord and then you end it on the root chord. Sometimes, yeah. if you want to be, if you want to sound more religious, you will do a fourth, and then end on say the that, first. But I was
1: scared too because I yeah. was like, "That's not
0: it." And that's, that's, the, that's the that's uh, the That's the four yes. one. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. So yeah. So I. So but you know, I think that's also what's really cool about this music is that it leaves the listener on edge, which I think some people may not enjoy, but I think if you're a fan of of music, especially classical or instrumental music, uh, long, long ago by Michael uh, Jubstrom is definitely worth a listen for sure. Hopefully, we can get him on. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. I'd I'll, love to I'll talk his brain him. about music, and, and you know, we can talk more about his pieces and, uh, and maybe sure also some I, Dvorak as well.
1: I, I can go to him. I can sit in his piano studio. It's probably great
0: acoustics in there, right? For sure. <laughs> I'll email him. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Jared, for this song. This is a, a fantastic
1: yeah. song. I'm, I'm, I'm generally glad I got your opinion because I, I like, I, I, I find it interesting, but I don't have the words or or education to talk about it with any sort of. Uh, I hope it was all you like hoped hope for and more.
0: Oh, uh, it was. It was. I it hope was, so. It was...
2: Well, thank <laughs> you, sir.
0: Well, Jared, I have a couple. I decided today since we're talking about speaking a little bit, and and obviously listening because they go hand in hand. I figured uh, uh, another really good way to improve your speaking and listening is by the use of puns, because you Mm. have to listen very closely in order to understand the meaning of a pun. Mm -hmm. Usually you need
1: to... Usually... Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were done.
0: (laughs) And and it's usually, um, you know, obviously a word that has multiple meanings, which also will improve your, I guess, your, your kind of the collocations or the, the other words you associate with it so misdirection taking a word that you expect and use right.
1: and changing the meaning of it exactly. or something like that
0: so i have two puns for you today jared and for all of our listeners out there so jared what does a clock do when it's hungry uh what does it do i don't know it goes back for seconds
1: I see that that's that's a classic pun right there huh
0: it's pretty <laughs> clever right makes sense yeah. it goes back for yeah, seconds yeah. seconds meaning a second plate or a second dish also seconds meaning in time for all mm-hmm. our listeners out there that didn't get it all right Jared my last joke of the pod or pun of the pod today is how do trees access the internet mm. oh I, I know the
1: answer I, I hate to it. know I hate to think is this an it. original one no, no, no. Okay, no. Then I don't feel as bad ruining it. Uh, they have a login.
0: That doesn't sound so great. I would say they log on.
1: Oh, that's better. That's um, better. Cleaner. Well they written. They log on. That's
0: right. <laughs> but yeah, okay. and, and that's another thing, too. I think telling jokes and listening to jokes might also be a good way to practice your pronunciation. Because I think jokes and puns as well, you need a special kind of delivery. I hear that a lot, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and most of the podcasts I listen to are comedic podcasts by famous comedians. And they say that, and some of them, people will email in and say, I love listening to you. Like, I'm from Serbia, and my English is just okay, but I, I love listening. Like, the best, my favorite way to learn English is by listening to an American person just bullshit without even, like, they don't say this, but, like, what they're getting at is, like, without even, like, concerning yourself for what other people like what people from other countries are saying but just bullshitting naturally and just listening to someone complain about their day Mm -hmm. is a great way to because because everyone can relate to what they're talking about and it's funny right but but some of the words you're like oh like i get what you're what you're angry about but i've never heard someone say trolley to explain a shopping cart Mm -hmm. for example
0: exactly right well and i think podcasts and youtube and movies and television series or netflix series or whatever Will teach you a lot of the language that you're not going to get in the classroom because there's just mm-hmm. not enough time in the classroom to do that.
1: And teachers, it's not really teachers' place to be teaching heavy amount of slang.
0: Correct. I agree. hundred percent. And
1: that and, and, and so it is useful to get all that stuff, but it's it's not really a teacher's place because teachers are supposed to be teaching you how to properly speak a language. Exactly. And what I've always learned from all my language teachers is like, I'll teach you slang after you've mastered German or French or whatever. Right.
0: Exactly. Didn't you have a teacher in Germany that that had that?
1: Yeah. She, philosophy? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I had a I had a teacher that was strictly against us using any sort of slang in our class, and and this was not a beginner class. This was like an advanced German class. Mm-hmm. So she knew that we were all good enough to con- communicate, right. but we would obviously speak like we would speak to our friends, and she would always say, "Don't use slang in my class until you're per- until you're perfect at." Uh, Hochdeutsch, right. essentially.
0: Right, proper German, standard German. Right. Yeah. Right,
1: very true. And obviously none of us were, even right. though we could speak fluently
0: as we thought, none of us were perfect or anywhere close. Right, of course. And and that brings me to kind of the closing point of our episode today, is that, yes, pronunciation is important, but I would say being accentless is not a very good goal or realistic goal to having. I say good goal because... You shouldn't think of yourself in a negative light if you're learning any foreign language and you have an accent, even if when you start out, it's a fairly thick accent. If mm-hmm. people can still understand you, that's really all that matters. And that brings up, well, yeah. I mean, there are English
1: speakers, I find this ridiculous, but there are English speakers that have like thick accents. Say you're from India mm-hmm. or say you're from. Um, Say you're from from some African country. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but like that'll have like English as the national language, Mm -hmm. yet they have their accent. So it's like you might not be able to fully understand them. And I've noticed Americans assume, especially with the Indian, one, because I I know Indian people assume that they can't speak English. It's like, no, this person is a native English speaker. They're speaking perfectly. You just are not used to that accent. So your ignorance assumes that they're not speaking English properly.
0: Right, exactly. And that's the thing. I think in the future we should do an episode on um, what is the ter- what does the term world English mean and what are the different types of Englishes around the world because mm-hmm. there are so many more types of English than just um, American English and British English and Australian English. But we can well, talk about a, that later. I brought a Singaporean uh,
1: untranslatable that was English, uh, exactly. half English
0: like half Chinese or something like that a while ago. Oh, it's a, yeah, w- that would be interesting. But yeah, so don't feel bad about um, if you have an accent, but we hope this episode has been useful for all of you um, to improve your pronunciation or at least feel more confident in speaking. Also, Jared mentioned, you know, um, people from around the world listening to podcasts. Um, we are so thankful to have such an international crowd listening to our episodes. Um, we really appreciate it. And we hope our podcast can also help you along the way. And to end our episode today, I have a quote from Amy Chua, which is... Who dat? Do you know what a foreign accent is? It is a sign of bravery. And I could not agree more. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree 100%. And as I've said 100,000 times on this podcast, I'm always nervous to uh, speak like a German, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm in... To a native speaker. But uh, I always have to remind myself whenever I hear someone that's not a native English speaker speak English with an accent. I'm never like uh, I'm never like Oh my god! I can't believe they said that word. I'm usually I'm usually shocked and impressed that they are that proficient in a language
0: that uh, that's not their native one. Exactly. Generally, I would say people tend to look at the positives of the situation unless they're just an ignorant jerk and then they'll say oh they pronounced that word wrong but usually i would say people (laughs) go the opposite way
1: people that are that that ignorant jerk probably also can only speak english
0: exactly (laughs) so just take that as a um little um little uh, nugget of knowledge gold nugget of knowledge for all of you a foreign accent is a sign of bravery and you should wear that accent that that badge with pride um that you're brave enough to try to learn another language you betcha And uh, keep on keeping on, everybody out there. Um, And we really hope you enjoy this episode on pronunciation tips. Also enjoy Jared and I trying to pronounce some difficult words in some foreign languages. (laughs) I will say we cheated a little bit since we uh, picked languages that we are learning. But I'm sure we may revisit this topic at some point in the future and we'll have to come with some new languages um, to really show you all how difficult it can be and you should not be afraid. Um, and we would love to hear any words that you have difficulty pronouncing. Um, shoot us an email at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com with any words in English or any foreign languages you are learning. We're very curious to hear from you. We would also love if you would take a look at our popping Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. We have clips and other photos from our travels and whatnot. And I have to give a special thanks to my co-host, Jared, for all these amazing murals of Philly. I really need ya. to go to Philly after seeing all these. Also, slide into our DMs and check out our Twitter for all sorts of uh, sassy and witty comments. At least I think they're sassy and witty uh, from Jared um, and some retweets of some things going on uh, around uh, the polyglot nation. I don't know if that's the correct term, but that's the term we'll be using, I guess. So once again, we thank you all so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll have another one coming to you very soon. So thank you very, very much, and yakuyame.